Hello and welcome to Flippin' and Mashing, a podcast about pinball, arcade video games, whatever the heck else we have in our game rooms. This is your host Parnell, and with me is La Ryan. Ryan! Yeah! We got some secret sauce today, baby. We do. We do. We actually have someone that's uh, probably, in my humble opinion, one of the icons of pinball, which is pretty fucking amazing. (laughs) I gave this person a very special hug back at MGC years ago, and I I bet you he doesn't even remember. Oh, he probably does. That's why he still has that uh, restraining order out on you. <laughs> exactly. I can't go back to MGC. Yeah. Uh, so who's our guest tonight, Parnell? It's, uh, I can't come up with anything funny. Sorry. We have Scott freaking Denise. Yo. Hi, everybody. Hey, Scott. Hey, hey. So Scott, I, we we kind of have a running joke, or I guess it's not a joke because it's not funny because I'm not <laughs> funny. But I have one of these things where occasionally I'll like make a shout out to you, and I'll be like, "Yep, yeah, you know, I'm sure Scott Denise is one of the five people listening. Scott, if you're listening, you know, do this or whatever." So, oh man, I'm we gonna actually have you tonight on the show, you know, which is fucking so, amazing. Yeah, I mean, there's so many podcasts. I actually decided long ago to just stop listening to all of them. I just, I, it, there's, it's overwhelming to me, but you know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to go through and comb back through and find what you wanted me to do. And I'm going to start hiding stuff and do weird things. I really hope you do like in, a, in, and I, I know you well enough, you know, at, at this point that I know I'm going to catch stuff for it and I can't wait for that to happen. <laughs> oh yeah. This is going to be funny. Um, yeah, so Scott, uh, thank you again for joining us tonight. It's yeah. uh, going to be a lot of fun. So I guess uh, we can do the first thing. I'll let Parnell take it off because it's kind of his question. Oh, holy moly. Yeah. This is probably one of the least important questions of the night. What the heck are you drinking? Because I heard something hmm. crack before we started recording. All right. So you guys sitting down for this one? I'm I sitting am. down with my legs this up. Is and you guys, it's 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 super it's super uh, fancy here. It's uh, it's by a company, by a, a brewery called Clarbrun. Okay, and it's a uh, it's a cherry lime sparkling water. Wow! Yeah, I think I've had that one. Yeah, it's really it's really good, and it's like Clarbrum. I don't know, Clarbrun, Clarbrun. Yeah, that's it. Just a weird font. Well, we we found the next name for the next pinball machine you're making. Oh, I, mean, I want to hear I mean, you say that. that. I meant to say I meant to say Lacroix. <laughs> <laughs> Lacroix. Is it kind of like key lime pie? Kind of. Uh, well, no, it tastes like one of those cherry limeades from uh, Sonic. Ooh, Sonic! What the hell's that? Mm, those are so fucking. Come weird. on, you don't, you don't know what Sonic is? We, we don't have that shit up here. Really. Oh, in, it's so depressing. I thought Sonic was everywhere. Well, not the like uh, dog and suds or anything, or like. Uh, Wait, do you, do you know what any of these words are? I'm saying no, no. Is that the hot? Dog, <laughs> is that a big hot dog joint though? All right, they're called drive-ins, right? Not oh. the, not like a drive-in, like a theater drive-in, but like a drive-in where you take your car and you drive up to this thing and you park, Wait, and then there's like a there's what like are a cars. Well, yeah. See, this is the thing. We got some talking to do tonight. You're we do. in the future. 
What you are, are you yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, you drive up for these drive-ins, right? You drive your car up, and they've got the little speaker in the menu right there, just like you're at a drive-thru. But you're in a parking spot, and you basically just like – they go, hey, how you doing? You know, what do you want? You order your stuff. And they bring it out usually on like roller skates or something, and they'll drop it off. And you eat in your car right there. It's great. Oh, yeah, the only ones are- we have in Duluth like that are A and W. Oh, is A and W do that? I don't know. We don't have a yeah. They, we don't they have do. One of those it's A&W it's the right same now. thing essentially. Just nice. Sonic has uh, like was it like commercials? 80, 80 different flavors of like drinks that they can make. Um, and their big thing is like during happy hour, you can get like any size for like two bucks. Yeah. So you can get like a cherry limeade, uh, which is bomb fucking tastic oh, and they have hot dogs <laughs> they do they, they have do. footlongs oh, just God, for you buddy hot dogs. oh man <laughs> i i couldn't eat it all i don't think a footlong come on <laughs> yeah you eat one of those all the time parno yeah. don't lie uh, <laughs> just when you're not looking yeah. just surprise you <laughs> ryan so yes all right what do you got um i have a I'm glad everyone's sitting down. I, I have a, a glass of water. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> this yeah. is tap water or is it filtered? Like filtered. water filter filtered, Ooh. unflavored. Yeah. Like filtered from the fridge or did you filter it with, like with a Brita? Like, did you put effort into the filtering? Oh no, no. Well, okay. I put effort into putting the filter into the fridge. Okay. So, I mean, but yeah, it was dispensed from the fridge. I walked Perfect. up and went, okay. eh, and it came out. Yeah, that's that's pretty fancy. Yeah. Damn, I'm gonna sound like a cardboard box under the bridge person. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're men of class here, Parnell. <laughs> so uh, he's got a, he's got a king cobra one. <laughs> Mad Dog 2020. Let's hear it. Come on, what flavor <laughs> <Ooh>. you got? <laughs> uh, because I was falling asleep at 7:30, I have a vodka squirt. Sparkling water, orange juice drink, and I'm on my third. So <laughs> I will be interesting tonight. Dude, I swear to God, man, if I saw a dude under a bridge in a cardboard box drinking that, I'd be like, holy crap. He, he's he's doing pretty good. Out. Yeah, he's doing pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> he's probably got the nicest refrigerator box underneath that, oh, that bridge. <laughs> yeah, man. We're living in the high class. Yeah. Bridge. So Scott, um, I, you know, oh my God, how are you? Like, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I just got done watching that Trent Reznor video that I was uh, that I talked about a little earlier, which I hope makes it into the episode. It 100 percent will. I promise. Uh, that blew my mind. I knew the song was great, but uh, yeah, awesome. I guess right. listen to that part. They'll they'll edit it in or something, or just let it go. Is there some sort of like YouTube thing that I'm missing? Uh, yeah, it's just something. I don't know. I didn't put a link of it anywhere, but you could find it. Yeah, yeah. I'll send you a link after the show. All right, sounds good. Wow. So I guess the first topic we're gonna shift into here, (laughs) get it, uh, is probably a topic that we don't talk about a lot on here. But uh, Scott, we know that you're into cars, and I. think you have a project car if i'm not mistaken oh it's not not really a project car it's uh it was uh 
It's a it's an Evo three that I have mm. made in nineteen ninety five. Um, these are you know a lot of people don't really they they're like oh Evos yeah whatever you know I know what that is you know but this is uh, this one's a little bit more special because they didn't actually make these in the United States and none ever came over here. Um, this was made in ninety five in Japan and exported to places like you know Australia had some and some other countries had them but yeah United States never got any. And it was illegal to import them until uh, 2020. So guess what I picked up in 2020? You Did you import this or did you get it from an importer? No, I had my buddy imported it for me. So it was, okay. I didn't have to worry but about it. But you just got this? I just got it in 2020. Yep. Dang, I thought you've had yep. it for a while. That's awesome. No, it's, it's a relatively new car to me. Um, but I am not uh, – I am not new to the Evos, so it's just the uh, the Evo three is fairly new. I'm assuming you're going to know this, but do you want to give us the stock specs and then what you've done to it? Because it sounds like you put uh, those little smoking visors and maybe some headlights. Um, He's got new AutoZone hubcaps too. Exactly, hubcaps. Yeah, so it's funny though. Uh, there there is smoke visors on the car. But those are stock from Japan. And if you break those, you basically have to remove them all because you'll never, ever, ever find them. So, so the car's like totaled. Mitsubishi OEM. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I don't want to talk about that because there's a lot of other little tiny pieces that would total the crap out of that car right now. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. So what have I done to it? And what is it? Okay, so stock, it ran about 300 horsepower uh, on a good day. Probably 285 or something like that, I believe. It's got a two in ninety five, in ninety five. Yeah, I think so. Damn. I'll double check it. You know what? Let's let's just fact check it. How about That's it? Impressive though. Do it live. Yeah, they well they're rally cars. You know they weren't yeah, made. Really, you know they were made so that they could so Mitsubishi could you know compete with the in the rally stuff. So anyway, we can fact check that. I'm probably wrong, but it's close to that. It, it had a really good amount of horsepower. Um, it had almost. I remember it had almost what my Evo Nine had from the factory, which was uh, I fact checked it. Google says two hundred and sixty six from the factory. Two sixty six. Perfect. Yep. All right. Cool. Close enough. That's fast Still as hell for that little car. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a two liter engine, which is a four cylinder engine, right? It's the four G sixty three, which has been used for years in Evos, all the way up to the Evo Nine. Um, the uh just like picture that for a second a two liter engine is it has as much displacement in the pistons as just a two liter of like soda right so not much and uh they're pushing like 266 horsepower that that's crazy through a Um, soda bottle (laughs) yeah for a soda bottle it's a soda bottle that puts out 266 horsepower so nuts uh, but it is running a turbocharger from the factory and intercooler from the factory and all sorts of great suspension and stuff like that from the factory, which is awesome. But my car has had a little bit of love done to it. Um, my car was, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say too much about how it was imported, but it was here. It was here for a few years before I got my hands on it and actually got it registered. Fair so enough. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave yeah. it at that. Mm-hmm. Yep. But a, a buddy Let's just of mine say it was in Canada because that's it was, legal. It was, you know, it was somewhere. 
We just it was somewhere. as most cars are. Yep, yeah, they are somewhere. Most cars are yep. somewhere. Unbelievable. Um, it was when the <laughs> it was during the first import of the R34s. Yeah, exactly. You know what though? I don't think wait, is it illegal to like import something and just not register it and then just build it in your garage and like screw around with it? I have no idea. That's probably still illegal. So let's let's just forget that. Let's forget that. You yep, know, yep, whatever. Forgotten. What were yep, we talking yep, about? Yeah, we're talking about <laughs> the car. So the car actually was was somewhere before I got my hands on it, and it had a bunch of work done to it already. So uh, it was a good friend of mine who who had put this car together, uh, who is very uh, very knowledgeable about engines and race cars. Not not his first uh, not his first build by any means. Um, the car is still sporting the original engine block. Um, it does have the original head on it still. It does, uh, everything else has pretty much been upgraded on it. The whole thing, like all the cooling system, the turbocharger is gigantic. Um, it's, uh, running E85. It was still running a stock ECU when I got it and a bunch of other random stuff. The suspension's all upgraded, you know, for autocross stuff, although I'm not going to autocross this car whatsoever because if it... Uh, we will we'll go into that later. Total. Remember I told you, little pieces. Total this car. Yep, yep. Do, does it but, still have a uh, tape deck? Uh, no. So Damn. when I got it, it had like a busted-ass like head unit in it. So what I did was I, I just put in like a, a double-din... Um, I can't find, dude, I can't find a tape deck for this car at all. <laughs> like, I just, you can't find them. Like, I need the right-hand drive tape deck from that year Mitsubishi, and it's impossible to find them because, you know, you know, you got to search junkyards in Japan for them. Ugh, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, like, oh, I saw some remands for, like, old Ford Mustangs and stuff making the head units, but I'm assuming everything's flipped around for the other it's side. Flipped. Yeah, that's the problem. Like I could take a Mitsubishi Mirage head unit from 95 and put it in the car and it would just plug right in. But the problem is the volume knobs on the opposite side. It's not toward the driver. So if people don't, oh, you know, I didn't mention this about the car. It's a very important thing. Since the car never came to the United States, this car was only made in right-hand drive. So the steering wheel's on the opposite side that we're all used to. It's on the right side of the car. So that's why all the controls are flipped and all this other stuff. But yeah, it's an absolute blast to drive. How hard but, is it to get used to shifting with your left hand? Um, it took me about like, I think when I bought the car, I had, so when I bought the car, I had never driven a right-hand drive car in my life. So I went and I was like, Hey, I'm just gonna, I'm going to go rip around the, the block like twice, you know, don't be concerned. You know? <laughs> so it took me about two times around the block and then I was good to go. Um, the problem with driving a right-hand drive car and then flipping back to a left-hand drive and then going back to a right-hand drive, which, you know, I do all the time now is not the shifting because you're physically on the opposite side of that car, right? So your, your, your right hand doesn't have anywhere to go to shift, right? So you, your left hand, you know, your brain kind of figures it out. The problem is the turn signals, the turn, <laughs> the turn signal, like, switch is on the side closest to the window all the time so driving our normal cars it's on the left side driving a right-hand drive car it's on the right and it's like your brain just can't figure that out can't go back and forth at least for me it just 
I'm always screwing it up and I'm always turning my windshield wipers on when I'm trying to turn left. <laughs> so uh, this brings up a really interesting question. Do you go through ATMs and drive throughs backwards? Um, I, cho- I, I do not go through drive throughs or ATMs. And mm-hmm. if I do go through a drive through I just have a passenger do it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. Yeah. But I'm not driving that thing backward, man. Again, don't want to bump a fender or something, you know. But didn't they do it in Fast and the Furious? Like, well, yeah, at high speed. Yeah, so it's super easy, right? Yeah, super easy. Yeah, <laughs> it's super easy. Yeah, don't even worry about it. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, those are kind of off limits. I just avoid those situations when I'm driving that car. But it's pretty funny. Yeah. Well, that uh, car is yeah, really. That car is really not like a. I'm going to go run a bunch of errands. It's more of like, I have a specific destination. Yeah. You're, you're basically there, like, I'm going to start going this to go up back. and piss all the neighbors off for like five minutes and just try and get out of here real quick and don't leave it idling in my driveway. Right. Well, you two-step it before you leave though, right? Yeah. You just, yeah, you run, yep. yeah, you bounce off the rev limiter <laughs> a few times before you take off. Exactly. Don't you, don't you no lift shift on the street too? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My transmission's totally replaceable. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? They got those uh, Mitsubishi Outlanders sports and stuff? I mean, it's a sport. Yeah, it must maybe. mean it's fast. Yeah, it must mean it's it's fine. <laughs> no, this thing's like, this thing's brutally basic. So, yeah, just giving some more information about the car, too. It's like, it's bare bones, like, stripped down. Like, you're, you know, there's no safety, like, uh, I don't know if you drop the clutch on it, like you rev that thing all the way up and drop the clutch. There's no safety thing at all preventing your clutch from not grabbing a hundred percent and blowing the crap out of your transfer case and transmission. The, uh, the Evo nine had a safety feature in it. They call it the pill. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that at all or what that is. I am actually. You are. All right. Well, I'll explain it just high level, but basically it's something that's in the clutch line that if you dump the clutch, uh, you know, it's actually going to feather the clutch out for you, so you don't just like completely annihilate your uh, drivetrain. So. Does your steering wheel have an airbag? Uh, it does not. Oh, you are just living on the edge. I he am. has seatbelts, though. I've seen them. There are there are seatbelts in yeah. the car. I do have a roll cage installed in the car. Well, yeah. Okay. So that's the next thing. Uh, yeah. So Scott. Um, why would you happen to have a roll cage? It's it's is it because it's making a little bit more power than it was uh, from the factory? Yes. So, <laughs> so, so when I got the car, um, the dyno sheet uh, was given to me as well, along with all the records, including the original title of the car from Japan, which is so cool to have. Um, I can see when it was imported, and I can go through all the different stages of where it was throughout its entire life, which I don't want to go into details about because you know internet i don't want to talk about it that kind of thing yep um because it was somewhere right yep um but i have all the details of that stuff um i got so the dyno sheet was given to me as well um after the car was built and it laid down um just before i picked it up it laid down 680 horsepower to the wheels so this is a car that weighs just over 2,000 pounds well, maybe it's like 2,600 pounds now. I don't know. Um, but uh, lays down 680 horsepower, which is way more than a stock Corvette lays down with a yeah, V8. That, 
That's knocking thoughts, uh, listeners, yeah. for those yeah, at home. I, like, I had a car that weighed about that much that made 400 horsepower, and I could not imagine another 280 sprinkled on top of it. Yeah, it was. It's actually very scary because first gear is useless. Like you just cannot boost in first gear whatsoever, else you're just going to break things. Um, second gear, like when you're fully engaged in second gear and you like clutches out, it's it's rolling. Uh, you press the gas pedal to the floor. The um, all four tires, since this is an all-wheel drive car, will actually spin. And then when you're do it again in third gear on the highway. Uh, it will break those loose again, and you got to be real careful at that point. Have you done a four-wheel drive drift then? Um, I have not in this car. Oh. I have not. Yeah. I, I, I don't really – I'm not really like kind of a crazy driver, so I, uh, I want the car to last a long time, so I try not to beat on it too much. But uh, Well, we obviously know yeah. how long Parnell's cars last. Cause that would have been the first thing he had done. <laughs> He's like, I do know where, uh, I do know where the limits of the car are though, in terms of turning. Um, that's the first thing I do. If I get like a high performance car, I, I get in there and I kind of, I'll play with it a little bit and I'll find out where it's going to slip on dry pavement. And then from there you kind of, you can kind of figure out, you know, where your limits are and your brain, your, your brain just knows subconsciously where those limits are now and not to go anywhere near it. Right. Which yeah. is Mach 2, presumably, in that car. It's Oh, my God, dude. It, it holds. There's, uh, there's four-point harnesses in it right now, which, is, uh, which I'm glad for because those hold me down really nice in the seat. I had a Focus RS for a while, and uh, I think you should – do you have an e-brake that you like pull up with your hand? Uh, I can, but if you know anything about all-wheel drive cars uh, and transfer cases, it's not a good idea. Well, you could just throw in Ford made the Ford Performance made a a drift stick, and it just it bolts on to the Evo Three. You just yank that baby up, and you're doing a four wheel drift. Yeah, doing a four wheel transfer case falling on the bottom of my car. <laughs> oh man! Which, by the way, is hilarious. This is so the drivetrain is completely built in the car by a guy in in, uh, in Wisconsin actually uh, called TMZ Performance. Who is like one of the top Evo builders? And he like builds uh, all these Mitsubishi's, like the GSXs and all this other stuff. But uh, he did the entire trans or did the entire drivetrain. So the transmission's fully built, the transfer case is fully built, and the rear diff is fully built. Um, but I scored a another transfer case from him, which is like totally impossible to find. Completely built from him in the original packaging that he put it in with his serial number on it and everything, it's never been used. It's just sitting on my shelf. Holy so, smokes. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm so excited. I hope I never have to use it, <laughs> but it's just there. Stands as, a, yes. as a show piece. Yeah, I know. Right. Did, so did they cry all the gears? Like were they, they deep freeze it? So it, that makes them harder. I have no clue what they did. Oh, okay. No idea. But, uh, all I know now is the gears are like NLA for the transmission. It just happened like a few days ago. They were like, well, that looks like we can't get any more gears because the guy who built all my stuff just put a Facebook post out saying, you know, how he uh, how he was like, uh, he's like, well, that's it. <laughs> he's like, better either save up way more money or uh, start scrounging parts. I wonder if people in Japan are going to start kind of doing the old school stuff, like kind of how America is where they start restoring the super old cars, but at the same time, mm -hmm. like they don't have as much 
kind of land masses we do to like go to farms and just throw their old shit <laughs> let yeah. it sit there for a while <laughs> exactly yeah there's not a lot of space um for my car though it's kind of sad because there's there's not that many of them left and i don't think there's a huge market for parts that just for the evo 3 so it's going to be very expensive going forward to try and get these kind of parts for it which stinks well, that or you'll be swapping drive drivetrains with another. I know. Well, people Evo right now platform. are like freaking out. Like, what transmission can we bolt in here? What are we doing? Like, apparently, you can put a dog bone transmission in it. Like, so I don't know. Oh, dog That's bone. What they're working on. Yeah, I don't want that. <laughs> I really don't want a sequential transmission. <laughs> That's my next question. Was is there any other similar Mitsubishi that shares any of those parts, or is that very yeah, specific? Yeah, absolutely. The GSX does. Uh, and, then, and those are gone. Now too. <laughs> it's all gone. Yeah. It's all the OEM oh. stuff is used up. You know, I mean, not all of it, but you know what I mean? Like there's like the cases of the transmissions, the OEM ones are all gone. Like, so if you blow your transmission apart and it blows the case apart, like you, you're, you need to go to a junkyard and find a GSX. Good luck with that. And then <laughs> you pull the case of the transmission out. Well, one, you could just use JB Weld, but two you could, yeah. I mean you could that, use Flex Seal too, you know. <laughs> was that the, the GSX that was in the US or is that a Japanese yeah, GSX? A US US GSX. So what's what's super interesting about it is that the Evo three uh shares the same uh engine orientation as the GSX and it has the same transmission and everything in it. Uh the GSX laid down some sick power actually. Uh, I think it wasn't quite as much as the Evo, but, uh, well, when they weren't broken. Yeah. I'm well, not me. That's funny. Yeah, dude. The, my buddy in high school had a GSX and, uh, those things are just wicked. They were rippers, man. Absolutely. Well, luckily that car was decently popular, so you could probably find, I mean, they're going to be all eBay oh, modded, all, but yeah, they're all, they're all smashed up and oh. messed up and gone, man. There, there's not that many of them. We'll but, just get the parts from the GST. Yeah, the GST, uh, that was the front-wheel drive version, right? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> well, no, I mean, joking aside, uh, it does share some transmission parts. So that is an option, uh, you know. So eh, we'll see what happens. You know what? I'm just going to drive it nice. And we'll, uh, if I break my transmission, I'll give it back to that Tim guy at TMZ and say, I don't know what to do. You You fix it. <laughs> so is your backyard turning into a hoarding of car parts or do you have a daily driver that you can do a little more beating on um no i i i am not allowed to hoard tons of stuff <laughs> there's there's no way that's gonna it's gonna be okay so <laughs> um i'm not too worried about it honestly to tell you the truth um i think i i know a bunch of people in the uh in that car industry so i think that I think I'm okay and I don't have to like freak out and hoard anything. So I should be able to find like get hookups if something happens, but we'll see. I would say if, if you can use GSX parts, I mean, they're going to be around the U S somewhere, even mm -hmm. Canada and Mexico, but yeah, my, I had an ex-girlfriend who had a, a Suzu via cross and that bastard was like when, like the rear window, uh, like partially wrapped around Oh, and weird. if you have anything like that break, good luck. Mm -hmm. You have to have um, salvage yard parts because no one made a window for that thing. 
Yeah, I think I'm, I'm a little worried about the uh, rear window on the Evo too, because it's uh, it basically matches the Mirage, um, but it has a windshield wiper through the back window that the Mirage didn't have. So it's like, of course, it's freaking specific to the Evo three. Great. Man. I don't know. We could, we could find something. We could just cut some plexi, make it a race, you know, like. Yeah, I'm going to have to go polycarbon. Just go polycarbon. <laughs> Be done. Polycarb all the windows. Now, I'm trying to keep it as stock looking as possible, um, except for the, the carbon fiber hood, obviously, is not stock looking. But Did that uh, come with it? It did have a carbon fiber hood on it, but it was trashed when I got it. So I actually got another one imported from Japan. Um Actually, wait, no. Where did that get imported from? Crap, Somewhere. I don't remember where it came from, but it was not here. Um, but uh, I got that imported and uh, thrown on the car, and it's freaking way better. Looks great. Do they make any more carbon fiber parts, or is that car kind of old enough now where no one really... They make uh, carbon fiber trunks um, in uh, Malaysia, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to go that route though. I'm just going to leave it. Yeah, don't oh, okay. do it. As a guy who had a shitload of carbon, don't don't do it. I had a yeah. carbon trunk, man. It was sweet. Yeah, until I mean, the crack looks... or fade or yeah, you know, well, just don't drive it. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, that's a popular option. <laughs> I do eventually. Oh man, I I do have a problem with the car though. Physically, that's uh, that's a little scary. Is uh, these Evos had uh, roof rust issues. And mine's oh, no. starting to like, yeah, it's starting to go. And I'm like, oh shit, because they, you got to like cut the entire roof skin off. And replace nope, time it. to go carbon fiber. <laughs> yeah, they do make a carbon fiber piece for that, but I don't, I don't know, man. That's so much money. I might just bring it to a body shop and have them try and figure it out. Obviously, on YouTube, there's everything, but you could like the body shop, I'm assuming, could sand it down and then repaint. The problem is just blending oh, it. Oh, no, no, you wait. You, you ready for, are you sitting down for this Uh-oh. one? It's not a sand and repaint. Otherwise, I'd just do that. It's not a big deal. Uh, this one, like Mitsubishi had, so, you know, in a roof of a car, there are cross members, right, that go across, like Uh-oh. sideways on it, mm-hmm. right? And they used a glue to glue the roof skin down to the actual cross members, which is common, super common. Um, that glue absorbed moisture from the air. Yeah, you see what's happening here? Mm, yeah. So the whole it's like the whole roof structure. It's rusting from the bottom side of the roof skin out. Oh, God. Yeah, and it's starting now. There's like a couple tiny little pinhole bubbles showing in my paint. And I'm, I'm like, that's it. It's, it's happening. Okay. So just drill one little hole and then just spray foam the shit out of it. <laughs> Still going to rust through. There's nothing you can oh, do. I'm, I'm going to pull down my headliner uh, this summer and I'm going to take a look and see what's going on. But I'm, I'm pretty much probably going to throw up if I do that. I was going to say, man, I don't know if I want to get it. On my SS, I took all the interior out. Yeah. You just pull the headliner and be like, hashtag race life. Yeah, exactly. I want the car to be nice. I want the car to have the interior pieces. I don't want to see like like paint that I shouldn't be seeing inside the car. Like it's still got the back seat in it and everything. Yeah, I'm probably the 1% here. I hope you do that soon, Scott. Uh, and I hope that it's not awful, but there's enough there to where you're like, oh, God, I got to get this fixed. So you come out with your next game. 
Uh, I just want to throw that in there. <laughs> Scott's Scott's going to go check it. And the next day, he's going to be like, guess what, guys? Coming out with a new game. <laughs> like, I'm announcing it. Come buy it. <laughs> oh, man. Crazy part is his next game will be for Raw Thrills. Fuck pinball. What? Yeah, screw, screw pinball. <laughs> Not here. Yeah, I'm yeah, doing yeah. a Big Buck Hunter Raw Thrills edition. Oh, God. <laughs> Scott, if you man. could have a Big Buck DLC pack... Where you get to design what the hell you shoot. What would you be shooting at? I don't know. Does it come on a dongle or no? Yeah. Oh, big old, big old footlong USB dongle. Footlong one. Okay, good. good. All right. Uh, uh, what would I be shooting at? I would oh, be Gorin. shooting at, uh, uh, let me think. GTRs. Anything. No, man. GTRs are sweet. Uh, Candy no kids. Cars. No, Candy no kids cars, zombies. I don't, dude, I don't hate on anyone's car ever, which is really weird as a car person. Like, I don't have any cars that I hate. Like, at first I thought, like, maybe I didn't really like convertible Mustangs. Because I'm yeah. like, ah, you know, it's a convertible Mustang. You know, like, if I had to pick a car, you know, to pick on. But then I went to Florida uh, just for a vacation. And I was like, oh, I got to rent a car from Hertz, you know. So I'm like, yes. I'm like, I'm looking around. I'm like, what the hell is all this? I'm like, the muscle car series. I'm like, what the crap is that? So I, uh, I'm like, fine, give me that. You know, I got one of these things. They gave me a, a red Mustang convertible GT. And I was like, oh, God damn it. I was so upset. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. We're going to we're going to go rip around and be fun. You know, so my wife and I get in there and I, I actually like get on the pedal on that thing. Holy crap. That thing took off. Dude. It's it's a no joke car, man. Don't fuck with those. Yeah, even the V six is like three hundred and five horse or years ago it did. Yeah. It's and crazy. It didn't sound horrible. Yeah. My wife had a charger. Uh we had a two thousand thirteen charger for a while, just the V six version. Like an all wheel drive thing. Very heavy car. Dude, that thing had three hundred and five horsepower, dude. It was just it was it ripped. My neighbor has that one, but like mm-hmm. a couple of years newer, but like it sounds gorgeous it does dude i don't know how they got that kind of power out of a v6 man without like turboing it or anything it's crazy to me it's some sort of american muscle power Mm-hmm. it's got to be the valves it's got to be the valves who knows okay duck dynasty has a dlc pack all right there's yeah, zombie for, deer for and what are they shooting oh ducks flying around I, i've never actually played the duck dynasty dlc pack but I'm hmm. I'm thinking if I'm spitballing here. No, I think Scott would be shooting um, rave zombies, like candy kid zombies, laser discs. No, you in, can't. At a I rave. Mean, if they were trying to like you know give you bad drugs or something, maybe. No, no, they're zombies. <laughs> so like, they're they're not yeah. you know like normal people. They're they're zombies at a yeah, rave. But, I mean, did you? I mean, there's a lot of zombies at raves, man. When was the last time you were at a rave? <laughs> a few years ago, but less longer than you'd think like it wasn't that long ago <laughs> less longer than you think all right yeah all right. sounds I like my the daughter last, the last one i went to was uh in march of 2020 right before everything got screwed up mm. well you're a dj so i would kind of expect you to be going to them more often but than dude, I, would. I well i wasn't performing at it i was just oh. my buddy so my buddy was performing but okay you just gotta but, go and show some support you know yeah. Um, Could yeah, he even see you? Or like are you in just the wave, you know, like just like the sea of people? Uh, it wasn't a huge one. I think oh, there was okay. probably only like 100 people there, honestly. 
He was wearing a hot dog costume, so he kind of stuck yeah, it's, out too. It's super easy to find me when I'm wearing the Vienna beef. Please tell me you know what Vienna beef is. Yes. Okay, good. Oh, thank God. Holy crap. I thought I was going to have to disconnect that call here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, it's it's cool. So, uh, Scott, I guess uh, now you've had a lot of arcade cabinets and arcade games down in your basement. I guess we'll kind of transition into things yeah. that our listeners want to hear us talk about, I guess. I have. Yeah, so arcade. Yeah, so we can stop talking about cars now. So, all right. Um, yeah, so arcade stuff. I have had a bunch of arcade cabinets in my day. Um, like, you know, standard crap, like, you know, Pac-Man, Arkanoid, um, let's see hear that I'm everybody. Gonna, Scott I'm called it crap. Arkanoid, Pac-Man fans. It's crap. You know, <laughs> standard crap, you know? Yep. It's great. My, you know, what really sucks about my Pac-Man machine is, uh, my mom stole it. Like she straight <laughs> up stole it from me. It's almost as bad as my dog ate my homework. Yeah, no, really, for real. Like, she's like, I was like, hey, mom, I got like, I got way too much stuff right now. Can I just like throw something at your house real quick? And she's like, yeah, sure, you know, whatever, bring it over. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, it's a Pac-Man machine. She's like, oh, yeah, I used to play Pac-Man when I was younger. I remember that. It was a lot of fun. I'm like, cool, cool. I'll set it up for you. I'll plug it in. And she's like, she's like, okay, that's cool. And all of a sudden, it's like, you know, I, I find out she's playing it like every day. Every day she's playing this thing. And, uh, you know, I go back. I'm like, okay, mom, I got, uh, you know, my space cleared up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that machine back. And she's like, oh, no, no, that's, that's mine. That's not yours. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, what are you she talking about? It. No, it's mine. It's mine. And she's like, no, no, you can. She, she said to me, she goes, you can, you can have it when I die is what she told me. <laughs> <I'm> like, Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I guess I lost my Pac-Man machine. Yeah, she's serious. Like, she would not, like, no. I mean, she's really serious. Like, I was going to come over and just take it, and she was like, no, it's mine. I'm like, holy shit. Okay. So, yeah, she stole that. Um, but uh, Arkanoid, I got a cool story about Arkanoid, actually. So I had, I found an Arkanoid machine in a Pengo cabinet which is kind of cool. Pengo cabinets are kind of, kind of wacky, you know, like the shape of them. I don't know if you're familiar with them or not. No, I got to Google this. Yeah. Look it up real quick. It's kind of, it's a cool shaped cabinet. Um, I ended up, it was trash when I got it, but I ended up repainting it and I just made it like solid black on the sides. And I put like, you know, that light blue, uh, T molding on it and made it look kind of nice and put as many like ROM star, like, you know, try to make it look like it would have when someone converted it. Cause you know, all those Arkanoid machines were conversion kits anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I built this cabinet. Um, my buddies would just come over like every other day and we'd just play arcade games and screw around. It was just a lot of fun. Um, and my one buddy was like really, really, really good at Arkanoid. We're like, dude, you're freaking killing this thing. What the hell? And he's like, yeah, you know, it's pretty good. He goes, he goes, you know, the world record's not that much off of what I normally do. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm looking around and, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, man. He's like, I think I can beat the world record at Arkanoid. I'm like, what are you, I'm like, what are you talking about? This, it's like crazy. Like some guy named like Zach Hample has it. Right. And he's, uh, he's like, no, we're going to, we're going to put your game on tournament settings. He goes, 
because that's a completely achievable world record and I'm going to beat it. And I'm like, uh, okay. So we started like videotaping him when he would play and uh, he actually beat the world record. We submitted the video to Twin Galaxies and they uh, certified it and gave it a thumbs up. <laughs> So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to Twin Galaxies really quick and see if he's still there. Um, it's uh, it's Arkanoid on tournament settings, and his name is Nick Mollison. How wild is that? He's like, nah, it's not a big deal. Hang on. <laughs> yeah, let me let me pull this up real quick. Let's see, TG Records, right? View leaderboards. Okay. Oh, come on, internet, come on. We're doing this live. We're in the middle of a podcast, and I'm surfing the internet. Hold on. What an amazing time to be alive. Yeah, where are you? Oh, I have to click on Arcade? Like, what am I doing here? Arcade. Oh, I can search. Hold on. Here we go. They changed this website, man. I haven't been on this in a long time. When he started pumping those little playing cards out, it was like he's like reinvested into Twin Galaxies or something. Oh, for sure. Oh, there he is. Right off the bat. Is he numero uno? Twin Galaxies. He did it in 2008. What is he still number one or is he dropped he's down? Still not, he's still number one. Holy smokes. That's awesome. He did that on my machine in my base or not my basement. It was at the time it was in my living room. This is before I was um, married. It was before, I was married, <laughs> uh, before my uh, now wife is uh, was living with me. I had like every window covered by an arcade machine or a pinball machine or something. She was uh appalled by that because i had these beautiful like bay windows i didn't even know what bay windows were i just thought windows were had blinds on them and you could put a machine in front of them there's no light in them anyway. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's pretty interesting to see this like no one's actually gotten close <clears throat> at all on tournament settings i wonder if people don't know that that's there or what because it looks like 2008 was the last time anyone attempted to uh to submit something for it i think you guys should make a documentary about that then like they did for what donkey kong pac-man well okay but hold on that was because of completely different reasons though yeah this which is a we really won't boring get one. into i mean it could be like a 20 minute documentary well it would be more like a four minute documentary because it'd be like <laughs> hey here's nick here's scott he built this machine uh we we're watching a bunch of South Park and making dirty jokes and drinking and Nick beat the world record uh, and then wrote the record because we used to write the records on the side of the machine on Sharpie, um, like in the silver Sharpie. And Nick wrote his record down and signed the side of the machine. And that and I ended up selling that machine somewhere and it's I don't know where it went. So that oh machine's out there somewhere. If you find an Arkanoid, a black cabinet, a black Pengo cabinet with an Arkanoid in it with the uh, signature on the side. That's the world record holder for tournament settings. That's so cool. So what what arcades do you have down there right now, Scott? So you, oh, you, you said you had some I only some have one stuff. arcade machine down here. I've, I've got a Golden T 2019, and that's wow. it. Wow. Yeah, so I got rid of all the, all the Arkanoid and all the Pac-Man and... Um, I didn't really have too much else. I built a Nintendo emulator. Okay. In my at my brother's house. Doesn't belong to me anymore. I just gave it to him. Um, let's see. Well, I know you used to have. I think 
not that I've been stalking you on streaming, but I think I saw 1.4 racers down. Oh in your yeah, basement. that's right. Yeah, I had some driving games. I had uh, I had four Rush the Rocks, the Alcatraz editions. Mm. That was a lot of fun. How the hell did you move those in? Uh, lots of friends. It took four people to move one machine into my basement. Oh my god! Um, yeah, I have a walkout basement though, which is super cool because it goes right into my garage. But there's like this this something called a gas ledge. Do you guys know what that is? No. Is that the one where it like it's like almost like a sidewalk where your door is and then it drops down? Yeah, basically. To where your cars it's, park? Got a, it's got something called a gas ledge on it, which is like basically so when your car is in the garage, if your car just like dumped all of its gas on the ground it wouldn't come near the house. It wouldn't go into the, like flow into the basement. Cause it's got, it's like a little curb. Hmm. So, oh, wait, yeah, so, that's like a fucking parking lot kind of deal, kinda, right? Yeah. It's like, a, it's kind of, yeah. So like to get into my basement, you have to go up and over this little like thing, which I have ramps to go up and over it, but still, man, those rush, the rocks are so heavy. And I was like, I, I kept the L or I kept the, uh, the, um, monitors in them i didn't want to convert them to lcd because i was like nah it looks like shit yeah i went and picked up a p3 when i got my p3 uh i actually bought it used and the guy i think had one of those same things Mm -hmm. uh, where it literally looks like a curb that you'd find in like a parking lot yeah in his garage that you had to go you know either up and over to get into the house or down and over to like get into the level part of the garage where you could then like roll it out of the garage. So those yeah, it's suck. Basically, yeah, it's basically a curb. It sucks, but I got, um, I built some wood ramps so I can just like wheel stuff in and out, but mm. damn, it's not fun. No, that was awful. No. But yeah, having four <laughs> of those rush the rocks though, that, that was a lot of fun, but I realized like I really wasn't playing it that much. So I ended up selling them. That's what happened with me when I had my Indy cart furies down in my basement. I like got them, played them for a few weeks, and I was like, well, I'm kind of bored of these. Yeah, and I think the thing that really that I didn't enjoy a lot about the Rush the Rocks was that they they're arcade games, so they have something called uh, they have something called catch up compensation, um, which is like it, let's just say like I'm playing against you know my nephew who's like 13 years old, right? Uh, so I'm a much better driver than he is, like by a lot okay because he's just like yeah screw it he's like bouncing off stuff but like if i drive the best i can and i get the perfect line right he's like over there bouncing off crap and you know doing stuff his car is going to be way faster than mine because the arcade nature of that game is going to make his car want to catch up to mine to keep it more close or it's going to slow my car way down so that he can catch up and it does this without you with well it tries to do this without you noticing um but you notice so i I really didn't like that because if you're better at driving than somebody you should be better you should win every time right yeah just like arkanoid if you're better at arkanoid than somebody you should beat me every time it's not like pinball where there's random stuff going on but like rush the rock was kind of random it had that catch-up compensation which just wasn't fun Oh yeah, that slingshot where the people in the back get kind of flung up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't make it very obvious, but if you watch, like, if you're playing a multiplayer and you watch and pay attention, like, while other people are playing and you're watching each of them, you'll see what's going to happen and you'll notice a car in the front slowing down. 
So yeah, it's just Those it's sons uh, of bitches. I know, and there's no way to shut that off either. There should be like novelty mode. You know what I mean? I was gonna say yeah. I mean, I get it in a route environment where they want all the kids to have fun at the same time but exactly you want them to keep pumping quarters in like if one kid's just getting annihilated every single time he's like i'm not gonna put any more quarters in that screw that game i mean it's probably for the best he just needs to take the hint (laughs) (laughs) yeah but they want to make money you see the the sole purpose of all these machines is to make money it's not to amuse any of us well it is now because I mean, we can get into this more later, but I feel like the home environment is exploding right now due to COVID. It is, but those machines still, their sole purpose is to take quarters. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. And dongles. And dongles. Those like damn big, security big dongles. Yeah, like, like awkwardly sized dongles. I don't know if you've seen the Star Wars arcade where you step into it and it's eh, maybe three monitors that kind of surround you mm, i don't think so are they vertical are they like they're kind of like weird orientation they're not just like that that ferrari like f30 game or whatever that kind of game no is. it almost is like a dome-ish you sit like a like you're driving piloting a tie fighter or something okay yeah i is swear that, the that game's like one? the what is that the roth rails one yeah I think it's like twenty five grand. Oh my god! <laughs> Jesus. Hey, if you can get it, get it. Dave and Buster's <laughs> yeah, has like, some deep you pockets. You get twenty five grand for those things, man. Well, they make money. That's the thing. Yeah. People truck these in those redemption arcades, and they make they'll make that money back. Now, the operators are just looking and using these as investments. That's all. And I think up here they were charging two bucks a play. I'm pretty sure. So. Yeah. They made their money pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's crazy. So um, I guess we can transition to, uh, I don't know, my favorite topic probably. Oh, boy. Yeah, Cars I know. Again? No, well, oh, okay. I'm just kidding. Second favorite tied for first. Uh, <laughs> okay, VR. So, pinball. No. Oh, pinball. Oh, wait. Yeah. Are you saving VR for the end? I am. Oh, you. Yeah show note on editor i know it (laughs) (laughs) it's great because um i'm probably most excited to talk all subjects with you but i know a lot of our listeners would appreciate uh talking about pinball some since we we probably should talk about pinball yeah probably we'll talk about more other cool stuff though and uh our listeners i'm sure will will love it um but um i guess the first question I kind of have for you is how did you come up with the story for TNA? Right. Because there is a story inside of TNA. Mm -hmm. Like at what stage in the design process were you like, that's it. Scarlet's going to be time traveling and blowing up these reactors so they can't, uh, you know, fuck up the future. Yeah. So that's a, it's a really interesting question because, um, I created the basic storyline before I started building the machine. Um, but the basic storyline has, it wasn't the same as what it is right now. So it evolved a lot uh, over the uh, over the years and over the development cycle. So at first, um, I, uh, I'm a kind of tongue-in-cheek kind of person like you know I kind of like to push buttons on certain things and 
with that homebrew that I was making, um, which was called Total Annihilation at the time, um, I wanted to push buttons of the pinball people and see how far I could push people into, but still liking the game. And that's why I started, I was like, Hey, I'm going to make a single level play field. I'm going to throw some like ridiculous music on it. It's going to be just evil. Like it's going to be just very hard. It's going to have some cool crap going on. Crazy lights, you know, be very loud. Like that Whitewood uh, had a uh, 300 watt sound system in it. So that was for a pinball machine. That's a lot, you know, um, well, shit, even the production ones, I mean, I think I normally play it four. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, the production ones have, I think, maybe it goes to 100 watts, I think. I'm not exactly sure, I forgot. Um, but, uh, I so I made this thing, and, and the original, the original theme was going to be very, uh, was going to be very dark. It was going to be an apocalyptic scene, and basically you were the you were the bad person, okay? And you were trying to kill a civilization, a perfectly happy, normal civilization, and just to be a dick. (laughs) So, and that was going to be the original theme, and I was just going to do that to, like, just kind of mess with people, you know? Um, And, you know, it was going to be okay, but then, like, I started showing this thing off more, and it didn't have a story when I first started streaming it, and, you know, I bunch of people started getting interested in it and I started getting in talks with Charlie at Spooky Pinball about maybe because he wanted to actually produce it he's like we could actually make this because it's fun um he saw people at shows playing and having a good time um so I decided to uh redo the story and uh make it more detailed and more interesting and more just acceptable just so that you know I really didn't want to offend people in mass i wanted to offend a small audience of people (laughs) but you know so we ended up changing and i I really don't talk about this too much but but i ended up changing the uh the the storyline up a bunch and i actually think it turned out way way better than the original was going to be um with scarlet going to the future to try and save the past and the past was the 80s you know so yeah, that that is how I came up with that, and it evolved. It, even the Scarlet one, uh, even that Scarlet story, uh, evolved over the production timeline as well. As I started adding new code in and new different things going on, so yeah, hopefully that answers your question. That's no, uh, it does. It's a very, it's a very weird thing, but I never really got to develop that evil, you know, the, the evil uh, software for it or anything. So well, I mean, you did because the game is pretty evil it's still evil yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh so talking about offending people i guess i gotta quickly throw this in here um you know i think the only thing you missed on tna is uh, i think it should have some ramps don't you scott because i I think think, um (laughs) because somebody's doing that right now they Uh, are it was funny so the funniest part about that person, if they're actually listening to this, which is going to be pretty funny. Um, something that's funny about that is that, uh, I responded in that thread a few times and they had, it, it came, it, I realized it later, like after my last post in there, when I was talking about like, why don't you just build a homebrew type of thing? Um, I realized that he had no idea that my screen name on Pinside was me. 
And so I thought that's really funny. And I think uh, he's going to one day realize it and go back and read through his stuff. And then uh, I think it'll make his day. <laughs> Maybe. Or it'll be like, <laughs> damn, but I should have listened to Scott the first time around. Nah. Because, nah. uh, you know, I. He can do it every with this game, man. I, it, sure. Do I think it needs ramps? Hell no, man. Do I think those ramps are in a good place? Hell no. <laughs> you know? Like it's, <laughs> it's just, but you know what? It's his game. If he wants to if he wants to wreck it, that's that. You know, I mean the the next rerun of TNA, I don't even know I don't even have a hundred percent like signed thing that says it's gonna happen. Like it may never happen and there's going to be there's only five hundred and fifty of those games around and if one gets destroyed I'm sure there's probably some that did get destroyed, but uh, already. But you know, it, I just hope he doesn't destroy it to the point where he can't put it back completely. You know. Well, yeah, because he wanted to change the art too, because he didn't think yeah. he did a good job there either. Yeah, that's that's a <sighs> that's a bit offensive. I worked really hard with Matt Andrews on that. Yeah, I love the art, and the people I... don't get the art. Like, there's a lot of stuff that, like, when TNA first came out, there's so much stuff in it that people just didn't get. They didn't get why I did every single thing on here. Um, if you look at the game and you look at the side of the cabinet on there, um, that is that pinball flying away from the player, right? Is a rendition of that generic Bally Midway cabinet from the eighties. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. 68 oh, yeah. or three games mm-hmm. were put in that cabinet. And it just had like this really generic pinball like on it. And I wanted to take that and just kind of, you know, pay homage to it a little bit. Uh, so that's why that side of the cabinet looks the way it does. Um, the uh, the side rails are actually uh, obviously another throwback because they're those thick ones that hadn't been done in a long time. Uh, and I, we laser cut the name of the game into it just like I did with the Whitewood. You know, but I don't know. There's a lot of other things too. Like people don't understand why the back box is shorter. They think the game is just overall shorter. You're like, why didn't you put longer legs on it? You're like, well, it's not, that's not the problem. (laughs) (laughs) The problem is the angle. Cause I actually, uh, I had to redraw that cabinet. So I took a spooky cabinet and I just knocked the angle of the glass way down. And then, uh, yeah, that, that in turn makes the back box a little lower. How could you? I know. My day's ruined. When I go downstairs, that one game is just not as high as the others. It's not as high as the other ones, and it really it upsets a few people. It maybe does. two or three. At least five, for five. sure. Okay, it probably upsets yeah. five people. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so that's uh, yeah, that's that. Yeah, there's a dude making uh, putting ramps on his TNA. So I still uh, couldn't believe it when I like saw it. I was like, deep. "Holy shit! Somebody's actually putting ramps." in tna and then you know they talked about the art and everything else and i was just like i think the entire time i was reading that thread on Pinside, my mouth was open like yeah. fully just jaw dropped like i couldn't believe it yeah i mean the putting ramps on the tna to me is just kind of silly and funny but like changing the art because you think the art sucks that's kind of like that one that one i'm just kind of like oh that's disappointing That'd be like somebody saying that the music wasn't good in it either. Which exactly. is like wanting to change the music out. That would actually, yeah, that would be that would be very, uh, like that would be kind of insulting at that point. Like if you don't like the music, don't like the art, don't like the fact there's no ramps on it, you should probably get rid of the game and get something else. <laughs> like because there are people that actually could enjoy it. 
for what it is. Yep. When your soundtrack dropped, I bought it. And I had a Jeep Wrangler at the time, so I'd take the top off and just fucking crank that shit. Oh, it was so good. Awesome. Nice, nice. Just driving topless, you know, just flashing oh, everybody. Sure. Absolutely. Totally. You might as well, man. You got a Wrangler, right? Yeah. Then have, you you just look at everybody you park next to like, hey, have you heard this yet? Yeah. Hey, this. Did you point to your radio? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that. They're like, what the fuck? It's my tape deck, you jackass. <laughs> that's funny man super funny oh man yeah but uh i'm I'm actually working on a new album right now too i i think i kind of knew some of that uh because again i i haven't been stalking you on twitch at all oh it's fine well that's what twitch is for it's so people can kind of keep up with what i'm what i'm kind of working on you know right right and i guess non-confidential stuff mm -hmm. well another question i had in regards to tna so Mm -hmm. what they're now i guess we would call them mods what mods are out for the game that you had hoped to have put into the game in production but for oh god only about a hundred million billion reasons you weren't able to because there's Uh, there's only there's only one honestly the this i wanted to light the side rails uh underneath the uh text uh, on the whitewood and then the production one was just it just we ran out of time doesn't make any sense to develop that it didn't really, you know, for the amount of money it would have costed, it just didn't make any sense. And I was like, a mod person's going to do this anyway. Just let it go. You know, so we put yeah. some, we just put some generic, like, you know, like pink splashed, you know, artwork behind it, knowing, knowing that we get covered up. Um, so that was the only thing, really. Uh, the mods that came afterward, um, I put on some green plastic protectors on the game, like, just screwing around one time because people loved like people love plastic protectors. Right. So I made some pink ones for the slingshots and I made some green ones for the slingshots. And what I didn't realize was going to happen is when you put those green slingshot protectors or green plastic protectors on TNA and I fire a blue light into the green protector, it absorbs most of that blue light and fires it out of the side of the actual like fluorescent material as green light. So it does some crazy looking laser look like environment things that it just blew me away. So we made a full uh, green la- uh, green laser cut like plastic set for it. And we were selling those on Pinball Life and we've sold a ton of those things. I think a lot of the games have those in them. And if they don't have them in there, like you really need to put those in. All right. Well, I guess that's one more thing I'm going to have to put into your game. Uh, yeah, and if you haven't seen it in real life, like if you have not seen that in real life, it's gonna absolutely blow your mind when you get multiball. Because multiball, actually, I changed it in the code in the default code to do instead of green for multiball, it turns blue now. So all the GI will turn blue when you get into multiball, and it's gonna make those plastic protectors just like insanely light up. I I am now well. You sold me on something I'm going to be buying tomorrow at Pinball Life, so <laughs> thanks, I guess. Yeah, Question and did you put the upgraded shooter uh, upgraded shooter display in? No, because I can't. I took I took a, a I had like extra Rick and Morty uh, shoot again displays. And oh I was like, yes, dude, I'm just gonna stick one of these. I'm like, ah, let me put one of these in TNA. I'm like, because it's it had some unused um, had some unused RGB channels. So I was like, oh, TNA has these, whatever. So I put one of those Rick and Morty ones in my game, 
reprogrammed all the light shows to go through it and to use it and do do cool things with the extra lights that are on it. And uh, we decided, like, ah, we'll just make up a bunch of these and put them on Pinball Life and sell them. Yep. So I do have that. I've got the reactor mod. I've obviously got this. Uh, so it changes the pop bumper from being like just a white capped pop bumper to um, this really cool metal top I with the uh, yeah yeah. So it's it's really cool. I think. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I like the white pop bumper cap, but I do think it kind of adds something like a little bit of three D ness to it because oh, it, it totally ends does. up yeah, and I kind of looking like a too, reactor. It? Yes, it is. That's the other thing it does. Enhances the color of the actual mm-hmm. pop bumper. Um, but I have that. I have clear plastic protectors. So wow, it's sounding like I'm gonna yep, yeah, I'm gonna have to uh, Oh, because I Ryan, I thought I saw them, but I didn't I didn't realize they were clear. Yeah, they're oh, just, just oh, they're man. the shitty gonna, clear ones. This is, gonna blow, this is gonna blow your mind, dude. And it's, then uh it's crazy. I, I just did the RGB drops and holy oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> And that was another one that I kind of wondered if, like, maybe you had planned to have it in or if that was, no, like, that was a an afterthought. afterthought. Total okay. afterthought with those. I just – I had extra channels, and then we got these clear drop targets in because I wanted to put clear drop targets in Rick and Morty. Um, so we um, – at Pinball Life, we manufactured uh, drop targets that were clear and frosted. And we had to, like, go through all sorts of different formulas to make sure they weren't going to break and make sure that they were the right, you know, frosted level and that kind of crazy stuff. Um we nailed all that down. I'm like, well, I'm going to put some of these in my TNA. And I'm like, holy shit, there's like, I have, I forgot I have an extra bank of like four more LEDs that I didn't use on one of the boards. So I just took another harness cable, plugged it all in. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Redid all my lamp shows again and uh, put in some really cool effects for the, uh, for the ball lock using those RGB lights and, or RGB drop lights. Yes, you did. Yeah, I love uh, how the target that's standing up, either asking you to start multi-ball or lock the ball, like does like this really awesome like strobing kind of effect to kind of yeah. like grab your attention and be like, "Hey, put a ball here." Yeah, what's really <laughs> cool is the the um, that strobing effect. It like let's say that the last drop target is lit for like a like ball one's not locked yet, so it's like the third drop target is up. Um, what happens is it does that whole like airplane like style like hey shoot in here you know like little chase sequence and when it gets to the drop target the drop target does strobe but the insert in front of the drop target strobes at the same speed but offset by 180 degrees so there if you watch it a little closer it they like they are flashing offset from each other that's super cool looking if you just like glance at it there's a lot of little things like that that you know in light shows that you'll just you'll end up missing unless i say something about it but stupid programming crap that i did that's not stupid i mean that's what makes it i think one of the one of the best light shows in pinball like period is your game and that's with the clear plastics i don't well, even I don't have know, the, for its time the rave. for its time it was really good uh but now man guns and roses is like just gone well, nuts man with the I light st- shows I said one of, you know, it's, it's yeah, I mean, it, like you said, for the time and, and for its time, not the I think constraints, it was, it was great. But um, I guess kind of the constraints, right? Not due to you not being able to do more, right? But because mm-hmm. you wanted the game to feel and look more like a 70s game because yeah. it's a single level, it wouldn't, it would have looked really fucking out of place if you had had 
you know, 800 single LED addressables running down each side of it like Guns N' Roses did. Like, yeah, no, I couldn't do that with that you game. Know. And that was one of the big things was that I wanted to prove to people that you could have a game that had 100% RGB controlled lights in the thing and use it properly so that it uh, doesn't look like you're just overusing it, you know? Right. Like you got to use it when it counts because then it wows people. Like if it just looks like a normal pinball machine for most of its time when you're playing it, and then all of a sudden you do something and it goes like, boom, reactor started, all the lights start spinning in multicolors. You're like, what the hell just happened? You're like, this is insane. Like it just makes it look more insane than it is. The, the, the biggest travesty I have is I have someone that comes over to my house and has played TNA. Uh, and, you know, they've seen like the light show when you start the reactor. So most of the time they'll get in there and they'll immediately flip. And that's like one of the biggest travesties for me is I like <laughs> I, I shed a little tear because I'm just like that fucking light show is so good <laughs> and you just skipped all of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I forced that with the bonus too. You're able to skip the bonus, but I still make the final bonus light show play no matter what. Mm-hmm. So it's like, Oh no, the, I, the I appreciate that. Sparkly, like when it just like, it pulses the big color with every light in the game and then sparkles out as it fades yep. out. No, you, you kicked ass on TNA. I, I, I literally could talk to you all night about how much I love that game. Um, oh, I appreciate that. Thanks, man. But uh, I guess I'll let Parnell go ahead and take over and ask the next question so we don't just talk about TNA tonight. Perfect. But we talk about TNA every night. I know, but <laughs> our listeners don't need to know that every night. I played the prototype at MGC with nice. David Brennan. Me and him got just shit-faced playing it like all night long. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, Brennan. Where are we at? You you like shifted around everything. Oh, I'm I'm highlighting the next topic. Are you guys like live modifying the the stuff? Yeah, here we are. Yeah. Oh, I just pulled it up. Look at this. Come on, man! You're like, isn't that like an ending question? Yeah. What, what is? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, that one we can skip. So there you go. We can ask that one. I'll I'll move this one. Sorry, listeners. Well, I can edit this out with, you know, movie magic. Uh-huh. Yeah, but you're not going to. So. <laughs> you're not going to. I, I like to yeah. spend about 12 hours editing a two-hour podcast. Yeah. Listeners, I will go ahead and let you know, uh, there's going to be some pretty freaking awesome info here, but you're going to have to just sit back, relax, and uh, wait for that to come up. <laughs> so one of the questions was, did you – have any more pop bumpers in Rick and Morty or was it no, always just the answer the is absolutely not. So the pop bumper story with Rick and Morty. Um, so I needed to, so I, I got the, we got the license secured. Right. And it was like, okay, you're going to make a Rick and Morty game. I love Rick and Morty. The game is, I mean, the, the show is like chaotic and crazy and it's just, uncontrollable craziness right so i was like okay well i'm gonna make a difficult game that has a lot of randomizers in it right so i started laying this out and i had a um i I put the pop bumper down in the left there there was just there was supposed to be where that meeseeks target is that meeseeks target was actually going to be a uh, an old school style gottlieb kicker target that kicked it back at you um 
but I decided it was just, it wasn't really working to my liking when I was like prototyping it. So I just scratched it and got it out of there because the regular target was kicking it back just as hard. <laughs> you know, like a target with that was unpowered was bouncing it back just as fast as you could get it with the other one. So I was like, screw that. Just killed that thing. But uh, yeah, so I did not try to put a pop bumper on the other side. Um, the reason for that being that it would have just been a little too crazy. Uh, so we needed a little bit of familiarity with it. Um, the key is when you're pushing people to the limits of what's acceptable in pinball, you need to make sure that you put a, enough familiar stuff in there that people still accept it. Right. And that was what, you know, we had the one slingshot in there. We had, there's a, there was a virtual orbit in Rick and Morty, which is, uh, obviously if you shoot the right orbit, it can, it can loop around to the, uh, to the portal and then loop back to your left flipper, just like a, it was going all the way around. Right. So things like that, you know, we had ramps that were, uh, I pulled the ramps on the, for both right side shots. Uh, I pulled those main shots out of the sweet spot of the flipper so that the, um, if you were just to flip at the ball without thinking about it with the lower right flipper or the upper right flipper, you're not going to really hit anything major. Right. So the left ramp itself, for instance, is off the tip of the right flipper. Right. And the, uh, the garage shot from the upper flipper and the inner loop, those two shots are so far away from each other on that upper flipper. Like you have to actually make a decision in your head when that ball's coming around to what you want to go for. So it's a lot of little things like that in Rick and Morty that just really made it crazy and, and weird and wacky. Um, but yeah, now to answer the question, that was a long winded answer for, for no, I didn't put, I didn't put another pop bumper there, but I did really think the pop bumper on the left was going to come out for production. I really did. I did not think it was going to make it. Uh, the reason for that being, I didn't think people would accept it. So, well, that's crazy. Cause I mean, yeah. I don't want to say it's your only calling card cause it definitely isn't, but a pop bumper thrown somewhere where it like, I don't know if the term should be, shouldn't be, but where yeah, it normally well, it's, it's wouldn't be. Place. Yeah, it's in a place where I, I think I'm just really frustrated with pop bumpers being like hidden in the back and like you they go up in there and it goes like bounces around a few times and then it just like comes out all slow. Like that's right. not really a good use of pop bumpers to me, in my opinion. I want pop bumpers like if I want to put one in a game, I want it to really hit, like do something, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean in TNA and Rick and Morty both, I mean if the ball's going towards the pop bumper it's not like a, oh, I'm relaxed right now. It's like a, oh, shit, oh, shit, no, oh, shit. Yeah, this is about to drain. Like, yeah, oh, you're my like, God. oh, shit, I'm fucked. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that's part of, like, the fun of your games, I think, is, like, the the chaos that, uh, ha it, like, incurs. But then at yeah. the same time, like, when you do what, when a player does what you want them to do, uh, the shots feel great. Mm -hmm. So it's like very, uh, I don't know. I mean, of course that obviously is, you know, just as a casual way of saying, if you are good at the game, then you have fun, but yeah, I'm just kind of reiterating that. Thing, you know? That's a good and bad thing. And I realized it. Um, I had been playing the Whitewood for so long that I didn't really realize um, that it would be sort of an issue. 
but uh, I got my production game, which played way different than the Whitewood and prototype that I was used to playing. So I had to kind of relearn it again, and it took me like like 30 minutes to kind of get the shots dialed in. You know, but once I was able to kind of realize where those shots were, like, you know, my muscle memory started picking up on it. I was able to just hit stuff. And I was able to have better and better games as I did it. But dang, man, I don't know. I, I hope I didn't push the limit too far with this one. I don't know if I did. I don't think I did, but dang, it's close. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Having played one, I nearly bought one. Uh, you know, if you ever do end up going back and listening to our episodes and I'm not going to hold my breath that you would, but, uh, I Dude, was you guys have a lot of them. You guys have been doing this for a long time. There's like 60 of them or more. Yeah, I started 10 episodes ago. Now this, this is num- numero dos for me or not numero dos. Jesus Christ. Uh, wow. this is my 10th <laughs> one with, uh, Parnell. So Parnell had been doing this for a while and, uh, once I had kind of found him, I was like, hey, we should start podcasting. And one thing led to another, and uh, here we are. But All right. um, yeah, no, for sure. I've, I've nearly bought a Rick and Morty a few times, truthfully. Nice. Uh, so I don't think it's too far. I think that it plays a lot differently than mm-hmm. what a lot of people expect it to play like because they yeah, see a game that in has. This industry. There's enough I agree. games that play like Stearns. You know what I mean? Like you. Like, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, there's enough of those, you know, like feel good. Like all the shots are right where you kind of expect them to be. Um, I feel like Ninja Turtles maybe moved some things around, um, and got a little bit more outside the box. Uh, yep. You know, probably I, why I have a turtle. Well, Jurassic Park what? did. Jurassic <laughs> Park totally did. Uh, Jurassic Park, kind of, Jurassic Park kind of felt like Iron Maiden though. I, I can't explain why, but for me, it just, it reminded me of a slightly modified Iron Maiden. And I know mm-hmm. all the Jurassic Park fans, the, the two of them that are listening are just falling out of their chairs in anger. But I, it didn't feel as revolutionary as like, you know, Iron Maiden did. And it, it, it uh, but yeah, yeah I agree. just like Iron Maiden did blow everything out of the water, man. Right. Like, yeah. That was just amazing that Stern made something like that. That would have been, that was a layout that was, that was destined to be built by like a boutique company, you know, not Stern. So but that is so cool that they did that. It is. And, you know, but I, I do kind of agree. I mean, there should be more change ups in pinball than just fan layouts. There should where... be. You, you take chances and you take, you take a lot of risks like with, and, you know, I'm, I'm just going to keep using myself as a source because I don't want to offend anybody or anything. But like with Rick and Morty, I took a ton of risks with the geometry and everything, too. So there was like, you know, some things are actually really hard to hit, like that garage shot. It's I wanted it to be difficult, but it, I think it turned out like a more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Um, but there's really no way without changing like everything to make that easier. Um, so I, I actually, I, I'm happy with mine, how mine plays, but I know a lot of people just don't like hard shots and pinball. And I think that's, that's one place that I may have pushed it a bit too far, but we'll see. You know, I think people will eventually, uh, understand where I was going with everything. Just like TNA kind of, I think people understand TNA about a lot better now than they did when it first came out. 
like you had mentioned sweet spots on the flipper mm-hmm. kind of yep. where you would normally flip yes did, did you move the posts to those sweet spots so it it just is angry yeah the so the posts are in in sweet spots also the um the noob noob target which is off the upper flipper in the middle there that's in the direct sweet spot of that upper flipper like the whole thing i mean that's just like if you don't make a decision and you just flip at the uh at the um, at the ball with the upper flipper, it's just gonna hit that noob noob target, and it's not really gonna do too much. It's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> but. Well, you know, if if uh, if code can fix some other games that has come out recently for Stern, I'm sure that people will uh, through playing your Rick and Morty, they'll definitely be able to see what you're going for. I think because I understand it. But I could definitely see those that uh, are used to only playing Sterns and other fan layouts that have a lot of easy shots struggling with the game, especially if they find it on location and just like walking up and trying to play a game. Yeah, and see, that's a problem. Not being I mean, able to find it. The game still, I think that kind of hinders it a little bit because Rick and Morty still does need to earn money on location. And if it's only hardcore pinball players that are coming to play it, because like, you know, the novice people are just getting, you know, annihilated by it. Um, that's a problem. So it's it it's really up to the operator to make sure the ball save times are nice and long and stuff too. And just making sure that their people aren't being totally brutalized by it. But Well, I sure as heck hope that after that, you know, short conversation we just got done, uh, you don't make your games too easy moving forward. Because, no, uh, no. I, you know, it's, you know. It's uh yeah. That'd be a shame. I cannot <laughs> I can't make a game that is easy. I just it's not in the cards for me. There are other people that can do that. The noob noob shot, is that that um cat is that the target to the left of that cat on top of that stack? Uh, so let me go look. Hold on. Target to the left of the cat. Uh, <laughs> oh, maybe it's my Target right above the eyeball. Oh, okay. The one in the All center, right. in the sweet spot of that flipper. <laughs> yeah, I had to go look at the art on the play field. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't played one yet, so I'm kind of oh, yeah. like okay. excited. All right. Well, yeah. Just uh, yeah. Just it's gonna it's gonna be mean when you first play. <laughs> I'm really bad at pinball so maybe I'll maybe my sweet spots will be where the <laughs> the shots actually are. Yeah, maybe. It's funny because the the left flipper though has the ramp in the sweet spot, so I did put the the right ramp in a sweet spot for that. And also the um, there's a little uh, there's a thing we call the flubel crank on there, which is a uh, it's a wire that is in the shape of a U, right? Uh, and it's uh, it goes along and it's a captive ball, so it's the size of a post, but you can hit it and the power transfers through the wire over to a captive ball that's behind. You know, it's kind of sort of like to the left of the ramp, but further back. And it, it blasts the captive ball. It transfers all that energy to that ball, which is really cool. Is the captive ball like underneath the ramp? It's kind of to the left, but it's underneath a plastic. You'll have to pull a picture up and take a look, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a little hard to see. I think we probably should have put more clear on the, on the actual plastic where the art was, but uh, so it's the it's the post to the left of the ramp that's yeah, just post metal. To the left of the ramp, yeah, it's just it's just metal. So it's metal on metal contact with that pinball, and it oh, takes all that 
it, yeah, it takes that kinetic energy and slams that through the wire and then into the ball that's being held captive underneath the plastic. So what, what shot is that? It's the fluval crank. That's the one that's right to the left of that. Uh, oh, sorry. Crank. Like, what does it do? Uh, it locks. lock. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's kind of dangerous, but it should it's roll not back really dangerous. slow. It slows, it slows the ball down. It takes the, it takes the power out of the ball when you hit it. Yeah. So what cool. you're saying is if I wanted to make it play brutally hard, I put a rubber over that somehow. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what that would do, honestly. It, I don't think it would be – I think if you put a rubber on there, I don't think it would transfer enough of the power out of the ball to move the captive ball to light your lock. It's Even actually, better. There's a switch. <laughs> yeah, there's a switch in the back. Well, then you know if you don't ever light your locks, man, that U-shaped turnaround shot is uh, wide open. And that is insane when you hit that full power. The thing's fat. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, very, there, very there's a lot of really like unique shots on it. And I think that's what I liked about it is, uh, you know, TNA just plays like an asshole and mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, but I like games that uh, play hard. You know, yeah, that's why, uh, you know, I have a TNA in my basement. I've nearly gotten a Rick and Morty a few times. I have a, a you know, Turtles, which... Parnell struggled for a while to warm up to because he was just like, this game fucking is fast and there's so much going on and I can't make half the shots. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's what makes pinball interesting, I think, are more really unique layouts. If you walk up to it it and you do well right away, you're like, I don't know, I kind of saw it all. You're like, oh, I'm going to move on and play something different, you know? Right. At least to me, I don't know. Well, especially in a home environment, right? Like if I can get to the wizard mode, you know, relatively easy. It's like, well, this isn't like where there's no payoff, right? You've gotten to the payoff, you've seen the end. And then it's just, you know, a a case of like monster bash, right? Where, Mm -hmm. you know, the game's really easy to beat. So you just end up going for like the high score and going through the wizard mode multiple times. And it's like, well, this is fun, I guess. So yeah, I like, but back to what I was saying, uh, you know, I definitely appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I think you did a good job. Yeah. So. Thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, I, next question I have for you is you have a P3 in your basement. I do. Yeah. So, uh, for our listeners at home, uh, do you mind talking a little bit about your experience with your P3 and, oh, yeah, and how sure. you're liking it? Absolutely. Uh, just to give you reference, we had Jerry on a couple episodes ago, and Ryan just gave Jerry his boner for the P3. Oh, oh nice. Whatever. Nice. Yeah. All right, so Ryan, Ryan's a big fan. I am, so don't talk shit about it. <laughs> All right, so I'll only talk shit a little bit then. That's fine. No, no you, I mean, honest opinion, for sure. Dude, actually, so, okay, so I got the P3 because I've always actually wanted one, and I missed out on getting a used one, so I was like, you know, there was a used one locally and someone else picked it up, but I was like, you know what? Freaking now is probably the time to just do it because heist came out and I was so impressed with, um, with heist, just like the engineering on it and everything. Um, we have a P3 at work as well at pinball life. And, uh, Terry just buys all the P3 games as they come out, uh, which is my boss. Um, and, uh, so we got the heist module and it's like, you know, it, it's just a, an amazing piece of engineering. I'm like, okay, now, now is the time. I'm just going to buy a P3. 
I'm going to get it because I'm limited on space, really. I can only have, like, I think I got eight games down here. What do I got down here? Yeah, I got eight games in my basement, and that's that's all I can have down here. I'm maxed out. Uh, so having a P3 is nice because I can swap them, you know, swap the different play fields in and just, you know, have a different game. And, you know, the new games are going to cost a lot less than, you know, the uh, like a full-out game, I guess a full-out standalone game, and I don't have to get rid of anything. So anyway, yeah, I figured it was time. So I did it. I bought Heist. Uh, I then got uh, Lexi Lightspeed. And I also picked up Canon Lagoon. Um, there are uh, a number of games for Canon Lagoon. I think a, a few developers are messing with coming up with new games for that module. So that's why I picked that up. But uh, yeah, I, got, I, I have to save up now for uh, Cosmic Kart Racing. Cause I want to try Nick's new uh, like Ranger in the Ruin game that he made. Oh hell yeah, it's amazing! Yeah, see, I, can't, I can't even play that yet because I don't have the right module. Mm-hmm. And and we can play Cosmic Kart Racing multiplayer too. Yeah, and talk shit the cool. whole time. Yeah. See, the problem is I need that. We need to figure out like a, a topper or something with a webcam in it, so that like you can see me and I can see you, and we can yell at each other the whole time while you're playing. You know, like if you could see all four of the players, like if you see their faces or something above the cars, like as you're racing them, it'd be hilarious. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. That well, and I know, I know that we can get a, was it $10 Bluetooth dongle and we can get Bluetooth connectivity to it. So it wouldn't surprise me that much. Like if it yeah, wouldn't be as difficult as you would think to hook a webcam to it. Yeah. And have it display, um, you know, up on the translate or where the translate would be. So, because yeah. that's where it shows you like the cars in the race in, and they're like progression through mm-hmm. the uh, course. So that'd be a perfect spot for it, honestly. Absolutely. So anyway, that's my thoughts on that. But anyway, I'm really enjoying the P3. Um, I think it's pretty difficult, actually. My outlanes are also wide open, too. Um, so it's a it's an ass kicker for sure. Yes, it is. It yeah. is not. Heist it is, does not and, play nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fun, man. Heist is a really cool engineered game man with that crane that pops out it's pretty cool and how it can gobble any uh shot you make Mm -hmm. and then spit the ball out anywhere else uh you know like in the game like i thought that was really awesome you know you shoot in orbit and then it returns on one of the wire forms from like as if you had made a ramp shot it's like yeah it's pretty cool (laughs) all right well i'm glad to hear that you're enjoying your p3 as much as i'm enjoying mine it sounds like and uh yeah, well, Parnell, you can go to ask like, You know, I try to get uh, a variety of games down here. I don't actually have a Stern game at the moment, but... <gasps> I'm sure Gary is rolling over right now, gasping at That's how okay. shocked he is. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. <laughs> well, what is your lineup downstairs for the, um, our listeners yeah, I'll at just, home? I'll, I'll just... Here, I'll walk down. I'll walk around it here. So uh, I've got a uh, restored pinbot. Not that it matters or anything. It's Pinbot. Um, I've got the Big Lebowski prototype number one, that was the first one built by uh, ARA. Um, that was the one that went to all the shows and everything, which is kind of cool. It's got the unapproved artwork on it and the unapproved software and the unapproved like everything. Oh, that's the, the nice one. Everything. Yeah, that's the that. It's a cool one for sure. Um, 
I have a TNA down here, a Rick and Morty, a Bride of Pinbot 2.0, uh, P3, uh, Brian Kelly restored Dr. Dude, and uh, my High Speed, which is the High Speed is the first game I actually ever bought. My How did you decide to get a Dr. Dude restored by uh, uh, Kelly? Uh, because I love Dr. Dude. I think the 80s, the funny 80s nature of it is just hilarious to me. The artwork's amazing on it. The gameplay is just straight up fun. You know, it's brutal game. Um, very simple to play. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a great game. And, and I had it and Brian Kelly's like, oh, I, uh, I restored a Dr. Dude for someone and they pulled out, they had a brand new play field for it. They're like, but they pulled out a play field from their game that was almost brand new. And he goes, do you want this play field? Do you want to buy this from my customer? I was like, uh, yes. So, cause he knew I had a Dr. Dude. And, um, he's like, well, you know, I mean, he was like, got to talking, you know, and he's like, well, I could, I could swap it for you. And I'm like, okay, okay. You know, that's fine. And eventually he's like, well, don't you want to just like restore this whole thing? I'm like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Just do it. You know? So he went Brian Kelly crazy on it. And, uh, that is the nicest Dr. Dude I've ever seen in my life. How different do you think it plays versus what it was before? Uh, it's it's faster than it was because it's got a clear coated play field now. Does it only play faster, or do you think it plays different? Um, I think it plays faster. I don't think it plays. I mean, it is different a little bit, but I like the way this one plays. Sure. Um, I have seen uh, some of my friends do game restorations on games that they've had in their collections for a long time, um, where after restoring it, it plays worse. Uh, than it would have with the worn out playfield. Um, I like playing pinball with worn out playfields. Just they just feel good. They it slows it down a little bit. It's kind of you know it's very authentic. Sometimes those restored ones are just they just don't feel like they're supposed to. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's kind of what I was asking because uh, I yeah. haven't done any restores of playfield stuff. But like to your point, a lot of those eighty system. 11s or even when I have a black knight that wasn't blown out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's ways to make it play faster with the original play field without, you know, going nuts on it. But yeah. Yeah. There's, there's ways to do that. I mean, I, my high speed, when I restored it, I put a CPR play field in it and um, I actually don't like the way this one plays. I, and I, I've, it's been restored for probably five years now or more. Actually, yeah, it's been restored for more than five years now. Um, but it still hasn't quite broken in yet because I just don't play it that much. I really love high speed, but this one just needs to be broken in. I just need to have more parties once the COVID stuff's all taken care of. Just make my friends play it until it gets dirty. I'll come over and play it. That's there fine. There you go. <laughs> Do, <laughs> speaking of dirty... Do you clean your games? Uh, I don't clean them, no, not usually. Unless they're like physically really dirty, like the rubbers or something like that. There you go, Ryan. Screw you. Whatever, man. <laughs> yeah, I definitely do not wax the play fields. I will not do that. So can you can you talk as to why? I'm, uh, I'm interested to hear your Because I don't feel stance. that it's, it's not necessary whatsoever to wax a play field. 
it's just going to make the ball slip around on it and go, you know, real fast. And you don't really want that. You want the ball to have some traction so that they, you, the ball can spin and grab and, you know, like, uh, I'm just, I'm against it just personally, just cause I don't like the way it feels when there's, um, when there's wax on the play field, just like, it's like over clear coating something. You know. So I guess a, a, a follow-up question to that, because you've, you've opened up Pandora's box here. Mm-hmm. So some games are really known to have like crazy, cause crazy spin uh, on a ball. Like for instance, one that's popping to mind, mind immediately is Flintstones. Okay. Where it, you'll shoot the ramp and normally I think it happens generally speaking when it goes around the bottom of the apron and mm-hmm. it diverts to the other side. Yep. Uh, the ball will fall out of that hole, and it'll have so much spin on it that it'll make contact with the playfield and just mm-hmm. roll right out into the out lane. Yeah, I've seen that a few times on some other ramps and stuff too. But right, you know, I, there's other things you can do with that, just like by changing up the different, you know, like maybe a different style of rubber or something like that. Okay. On the post there, yeah. um, I wouldn't use something grippy like silicone. I would use like a hard black rubber on the posts there. Okay. Uh, the uh, the thing that stands out to me the most is I had a Tron back in the day, and Tron puts a an insane amount of spin on the ball, and I I loved the game and I played it forever and it was just it was getting really dirty and I did clean it up and I put Novus two all over the playfield which is sort of it's not a wax but it does leave a bit of residue on the on the playfield. And the uh, ball spin was just, it just wasn't good anymore. It kind of wrecked it. It didn't grab as much. It just slid. So. Yeah. It's funny because in the, I, I have a Tron too, and you get those people that swap to the clear disc pad. Oh, wax their yeah, game. Well, you're doing two opposite things. Yeah. And then the yeah. ball will shoot out and then it'll actually stop mid playfield and go back up. Yeah, see, because it's like it's like sliding. Um, it's just it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I just that's the thing. I just don't do. I'd rather I'd rather play a slightly dirty play field than a, a nice, clean, brand new one. Well, I'll remember that for if you ever come over to my house. I won't play yeah, just my dirty games up the for game. you. Come. Yep. Yeah, could go outside, grab some dirt. Mm-hmm. Read it in there. <laughs> Scott's gonna be like, "When did you add rocks to my TNA?" And I'm right, like, "Well, you know. in this, oh, yeah." <laughs> it looks like fertilizer. Where did you get this? <laughs> yeah, Ryan gives me shit for not cleaning my games very often. Oh my god, Scott! Well, is that just, I mean, is that just a lazy thing or what? I don't play my games, so I don't know. Oh, See, it's bullshit because it, they the rubbers, definitely get though. dirty. Clean like, the rubbers. Oh my god. I went over like, you know, like when you, when you watch, uh, like, I'm just going to pick a show like arcade, uh, or not arcade, uh, American pickers. Right. And they go into like these areas that like fucking people haven't walked in in like 20 years. Like that's his games, like the play field. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you need to clean that shit up. Like there's more rubber than there is like play field that the ball's touching right now. And he's that's like, funny. Oh, you know, it's fine. I don't play enough. I'm like, <laughs> Slows it game. down so that I can play. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's funny. Parnell, I'll let you go ahead and take the next question. This is going to be a big opinion question, but I would love to hear it from you because you have a very unique taste. Mm-hmm. What do you think makes a game good? And 
is it deep code or is it toys or is it events and experiences? Um, yeah, well, I have a I have a different opinion than I think most people when it comes to what makes a game good. Um, I have to say that it's like a very simple rule set for me makes a game good uh, combined with a difficult play field. And again, I'm just outlining what TNA is. And the reason I keep going back and talking about TNA is because that is all of my opinions put into one game and what I think makes a good game. Um, It's very simple to understand what you have to do. It's very difficult to do that simple thing. It does have little gimmicks and flashy lights and good music. And I think that's really what makes a good game. And you'll notice there's really, there's no toys in TNA. Like, I I just don't think it's necessary for me. You know, some people like that kind of stuff and they put toys all over stuff. But like in Rick and Morty, I thought I saw uh, the Rick and Morty thread. I mean, on Pinside, I think someone put just like little figures just all over their Rick and Morty. Like on just like every plastic. And to me, it's just like, I don't think that really makes it better. But some people like that, you know. I guess toys you could have you could relate to to like mechs, I suppose. So like your yeah, I suppose your locking system on TNA is pretty fun. Uh, yeah, I guess that would qualify as a toy, I suppose. But it's really just basically three drop targets. That's all it is, and some optos. Listen, listen to this man. Be so humble. Yeah, listen to mm-hmm. to Scott be so humble about the fact that he made something that's literally called now the Denisi lock. Yeah, you know what? And My, now has a second I, one. I want to know where that came from. <laughs> So there's a dude that builds homebrew games uh, named Matt, and he built he built the Doom homebrew game. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that game. Oh yes. He also built Deadpin. Um, he likes to screw with me. We're buddies, so he's like, "Dude, I'm gonna start calling that the Denise Lock, and I'm gonna get everyone to call it that." And it was like his mission, so he just started calling it like because he thought. I mean, he he had good intentions because he thought it was a really good inventive way to to lock balls and do stuff and he wanted me to get credit for it and he got he was like mad if someone else would you know if someone else would have branded it so he's like i'm gonna mess with them and i'm gonna get this thing you know get recognition for it or whatever so he started he actually started doing that i'm like come on just like (laughs) and eventually like uh robert from double dangers like i'm making a shirt man i'm making the shirt (laughs) i'm like okay dude whatever (laughs) yeah a mission accomplished now you guys are crazy. Yeah, because now we have Denise Lock 2.0 and Rick and Morty. I mean, that's yeah, literally. Exactly. Yeah, and people call it the Denise Lock 2.0. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, it's just another take on that locking mechanism. I just put it in a different format. So. Well, it was really interesting to hear some of the like uh, problem solving you had to do with mm-hmm. that lock, the 2.0 oh, yeah. and Rick and Morty, because like you had to figure out a way to know like when the ball was going in there, but you also, I I think you had spoke about it and I'm doing an awful job, but there were a lot of um, things that you had to work through in making that mech work the way you wanted it to Mm -hmm. due to, I don't want to say the limitations, but due to kind of what you can do with a pinball machine. Right. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. So there's a, if you look at how Rick and Morty is actually built, um, there's a long range opto that goes across the entire 
uh, front of that locking mechanism. And it's pretty far forward, probably about two and a half inches in front of those drop targets. So what happens is that pinball machine knows when you make a shot toward that lock, it, when it breaks that first opto beam, it knows that there's an incoming ball. So, hey, if I don't want a drop target to fall when hit, it pushes the drop target up right? So it pulses and holds the drop target. So when a ball hits it, and I do this in TNA all the time uh, for the locking mechanism, but the ball will hit it if it's pulsing already, uh, that drop target doesn't fall. It just bounces the ball away from it just like a normal target. And uh, that's what that long range opto is for. So we had to figure out good ways of using the lock. Um, I had two sets of optos behind each side of the lock because originally I was like, oh, well, we can lock four balls in it. You know, I'm just talking crazy. I'm like, yeah, up to four balls. It'd be great. And then like Eric brought it to my attention that, oh, yeah, well, how that you can do three. But how the hell would you even get a fourth one in there? I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so three is the maximum number of balls that that locking mechanism could ever lock and hold in one thing. Well, yeah, because correct me if I'm wrong, but when locks are lit, those drop targets are still up, right? Uh, so it'll like, open them up. No, it'll open the drop target up. Does it? Okay. Yep. Yeah, it'll open up both sides. And then you just shoot it into one side. There's an up post in the middle, which keeps the ball, like, you know, keep the ball on one side or the other if it wants to keep it there. Or it lets you uh, do the uh, fondle the balls, is what we call it, when you shoot it from, like, bounce it from one side to the other. Yes, yes fondling the balls there is and there's <laughs> a high score that with that yeah there's well, a, there's a high score table dedicated to fondling balls <laughs> i get number two on that <laughs> so uh does that mean that uh it, maybe you can't talk about this but do you think we might ever see uh three balls being locked up there as opposed to two Nah, probably not honestly. okay um Probably not going to do that just because there's only four balls in the bottom trough anyway. So, I mean, we don't really want, like we're, we try to, or at least I, I'm a big fan of early ball saves on outlanes. Like if you have a ball save running and you hit an outlane, there needs to be a ball staged in that trough at all times. So it can kick it out immediately and get it back in play as soon as possible. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So it's like that we probably won't do that. It's the same reason that we're not doing like tons of locked balls in the, uh, in that secondary trough in the portal. It just doesn't make sense to keep the balls there when you can have them in the, you know, in the trough. You can just do virtual locks with that other, uh, with other staged ball that's in there. Yeah. Cause there's, is it five balls total in Rick and Morty? Yeah. There's only five balls total in Rick and Morty. Yep. Yeah. So we just kind of worked within what we just made a decision early on, like, Hey, we're going to put five balls in this game. Let's just work with it. Yep. Fondle all just, the balls, all five yeah. of them, you know? And it was already like, we had already started production by the time we're like, Oh, maybe we should have put six balls in that, you know, because you can't just throw another ball in there because it's, you need to add another switch to the bottom trough, you know? Well, so, that makes sense, but yeah. So we're like, ah, whatever. We just work within the limitations. We're good. Well, yeah, and, and, you know, as someone that's played, uh, you know, Turtles Pro versus Turtles Premium, uh, you know, going from six balls to eight, that I, at no point when I have a five-ball multi-ball going, am I like, man, I really wish I had that sixth one here on the play field. Yeah, uh, I'm a you know, big... Not I'm the less eight, right? Yeah. Like, for me, I, in my opinion, 
Uh, a multi-ball should never exceed four balls on the table at once because it just gets too much and it's just not enjoyable to me. Um, you just really can't, like as everything is blocked at that point and you cannot trap up more than four balls. If you can grab, you can grab three balls on one flipper and then have the other flipper open for making shots with one ball and that's fine. But like having six ball multi-ball or eight ball multi-ball, it's just way too many. It's just, you're not, it's just kind of frustrating. So you're telling me your favorite pinball machine of all time is Apollo 13 then, right? That's what I'm absolutely telling you. Okay. You'll notice that Apollo 13 too, <laughs> when it dumps all those balls, the yep. flippers don't have enough power to actually do anything. You basically <laughs> just like, mah, mah, like you're just like, like doing this until enough balls go away. You can actually do something. Well, and I think I've even noticed talking about flipper power, not to go back to it, but we're going to, uh, TNA, man, I don't know if, if maybe I need to do a flipper rebuild, but I swear I try to, uh, live catch the ball coming out of that, uh, scoop Mm -hmm. and it almost feels like it's overpowering the flipper for like a brief second. You'll see it like actually go down and then like back up. Yeah. (laughs) That's yeah, a mean it, scoop. Well, so, yeah, the scoop, I would turn your scoop thing down just a little bit. Um, uh, that was a big issue with TNA because I didn't put end or stroke switches on those lower flippers. So it doesn't know if the flipper breaks the hold or not. Um, so what okay. happens is I just have, I have a, um, um, I have a, along with the hold coil, which I don't actually use anymore. I just use the main one as a single wound. And uh, when you're holding the flipper up, it's just, it's putting, it's just pulsing the main coil holding it in in the air. So there's adjustments for that in the service menu, but you're just going to generate more heat. So I would actually just turn your scoop down just a bit. I'll bump it down one, but no more. Yeah, bump it down one and see what it looks, see what it does. If it still does it, then that's just what people are going to have to play with. Because yeah. I love when people come over well, you know, and the you first time they turn, play it. You can try and turn the hold boost up on it. There's a setting in there called hold boost, uh, flipper hold boost. Yeah, I mean, you know. It's probably going to overheat your flippers, though. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that either. I think, I'm, you know, because the one thing I love is when people come over and they, they actually are able to get it into the world's hardest to hit scoop when you need to hit it. Yeah. Uh, is... Uh, how fast it comes out and Mm -hmm. it's just i love how ferocious it is you know what i mean so yeah i'm probably not gonna dick with it just (laughs) turn the boost up and uh put those fans put those turbos on your no and yeah put turn the boost up and put fans on it yeah no No, i'm just kidding i've got a lot of mods but i don't think i want to have flipper uh coil coolers running yeah it's not my tna yeah definitely not for tna so uh I guess the next question I get to ask you is, um, so let's pretend for a moment, uh, you know, let's use this scenario. You come out with a new game, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't get one in your contract, right? So you don't get a production game just because you made it. But goddamn, do you want that game in your basement? Uh, How do you decide what pin goes when a new one comes out that you have to have? And... uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I have another part of the question, but I'll wait to ask that. Okay. Um, well, it's uh, it's very difficult. Like, if I have that, that's one of the reasons why I got a P three. To tell you the truth, is because <laughs> I wanted new games, but I didn't want to have to get rid of other games because I'm out of space. Um, 
But what I usually do is I kind of, I say, is this game more fun than this other game, right? And I will, if I have the money to buy a game, which normally I do not, like without selling something, um, if I have the luxury of being able to do that, I can take one of the games out of my basement and put it in my garage for a while, just wrapped up, and uh, play the new game for a while and say, hey, is it better than the one I took out? Do I miss the one that I took out? And if I don't miss it, I can sell the other one. If that sort of makes sense. But I just do a, I do like a better or worse thing, kind of like when I'm writing music and I'm tweaking certain things. I go, hey, I'm going to tweak this parameter on the synthesizer. Is it better or worse? Oh, is it good? Okay, leave it. Is it worse? Okay, put it back, you know? Yeah. That kind of okay. thing. Yeah, well, and that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, I mean, we kind of talked about this already, but what makes a game great for you? Uh, a hard, challenging game. Okay. It does not have long ball times. Normally, anyways. Too right? long of ball times, I'm out. Okay. So, do you ever enjoy? So, like, uh, I'll use one uh, Ghostbusters, right? Mm-hmm. So, that one can be long playing, but it can also make you its bitch. Like, yeah, within I didn't a really minute. like Ghostbusters. I had one, I had an LE for a while in my basement, and I don't know. I, it was okay. Right. Yeah. Well, right. And that's why I was kind of asking, right? Because you said you don't like games that play long, but occasionally you have a good game, right? Where yeah, even okay. a hard game. It's okay, but I don't want can something be long like, playing. Like, I don't want something like Lord of the Rings where it just delivers the ball all the time. Like every shot is safe and it's every shot. It's pretty makeable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just, or The Hobbit. <laughs> yeah, the Hobbit. Man, yeah. I mean, it just. You don't want, I mean, Hobbit has some shots that are dangerous, like the drop targets. Those are dangerous shots. They put the sure. ball in, in jeopardy. But Lord of the Rings is a good example because it's just, it's physically too easy. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just, you know, you can always make a game easier with software, but you cannot make a game harder with software. Like if you accidentally make a design a game that's too easy, uh, you cannot make that game harder. But if you make a game that's too hard, like TNA, you can make that game easier by putting more compensation on your ball saves, putting more ball saves in, giving the player more options to get a ball save or an extra ball or something like that, you know? Or getting good, but yes. Yeah, but think about it for a second. Like, you know, if you, if I made TNA super easy, Right. I just made any pinball machine. Right. If I just make it super easy, like there's two shots on the play field, they both go back to the flippers. Right. How would you program that game to make it harder? And make it well, be a lot of rinse and down? repeating. Right. Chopping well, you wood. can't you can't bring yeah. the ball times down with software. Does that make sense? No, it absolutely does. Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird thing to think about, but a lot of people don't understand that. So it's like, and it's hard to explain. I think most pinball designers probably understand it, but I think the general public doesn't quite understand it. And that's one of the reasons why I decide to make games that are more like, I, I want to be away from that accidentally too easy line, right? right. I don't want to be anywhere near that. So I make a game that's very hard and I can just make it easier with software. So... 
I don't know. It's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. No, absolutely. But that's what makes a game good. Well, that's a great answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Parnell, you you are up. I like my Lord of the Rings because it makes me feel like I'm good at pinball. <laughs> and it's, it's opinion too, you know. Yep. Uh, I just don't want to play. I don't want to play pinball for 45 minutes. I really, I have uh, ADD like way too bad for that. It makes me feel like I'm like one of the pro players. You know what I mean? Where it's like, wow, I'm actually good, and my score is like 20 million. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what was the most difficult part of designing both of your games? Oh, man, most difficult parts. Um, oh, let's see. It's probably like fit designing the physical layout, you mean? Or I guess it like could be any part of it. Remember, I did software also on, on TNA. So if I had to pick something, like the, the soft, getting the software down on TNA to make the game like play properly play at full speed don't lag don't crash like all that crap is that was the most difficult thing i've ever done but i didn't have to program was there like a lot of bugs or just a lot of random stuff where you're like where did this come from dude i was chasing down a multi-ball bug for months and there were a bunch of streamers that were uh trying to help me chase it down and they were um, they would play the game on the latest software and they would clip every time it happened for me so that I could go back and I could watch and rewind what happened and watch what the hell was going on. And it took me two months to find it, but it was like a little, there was a code error on my side where I was doing something with a ball save where I was starting a ball save without the ball save timer going on. And so there was like an invisible ball save happening, which I just had no idea how it was triggering. And it was it was a freaking nightmare, man. But when I figured it out, I was like, I was the most happy I've been in a long time. I was like jumping up and down, yelling at the computer. My wife's thinking I'm crazy. But uh, yeah, that was really, really difficult. Um, as for like the physical playfield stuff, um, getting uh, getting a game to play. I think the hardest, I really think the hardest part is like anyone can make one game, but making a game that can be easily reproduced is very hard. And there's a line, the more complex that you get with your game, the more chances it has of not, or of being very difficult to assemble, right? With Rick and Morty, I think I, I did, it was a very, it was a very complicated design. And I think it took them a lot longer to assemble them than originally thought because of that complexity. So I think that's the hardest part is just prepping things for production. Would you say that it also like making a one-off is also a lot different than production? Oh yeah, for sure. Because a one-off, like there's no, you know, there's nothing stopping me from putting whatever I want in a one-off game, which is, why I try to get people to make homebrew games. Like I, whenever people talk to me about homebrew games, I'm like, Hey, go make one. And I try to get people to do this because it's so fun. And it's so nice to be able to just put whatever you want in a game, anything your brain can imagine an engineer, you can put in a game and no one's going to tell you no. You know what I mean? It's great. So, um, yeah, that it's, it's definitely very different making a game for production than it is homebrew. 
And I think you even said earlier that the production games play different. Oh, they do. Yeah, absolutely. They will because those are mass produced, you know? Like on my game, I can just, like, I can make a homebrew game and I can tweak the guide rails to be just right and it takes me like two seconds to do it, right? But it's because that I know like how they, how the geometry is supposed to look and like how, how it's designed. Right. But someone else might not know that, you know what I mean? And it might take a, it take extensive training to get people to do something right. So you have to design something uh, so that it's kind of foolproof to put together. Yeah. And it's, it's so. funny you mentioned that because um, two things come to mind. First, uh, you'd mentioned uh encouraging people to get into making homebrew pinballs. And I was wanting to make a homebrew myself and started working on like the shots, the layouts, what the rules were going to kind of look like. And I got to a point and then a buddy uh, is storing a T3 at my house. And Mm -hmm. I ended up finding out that I was making a bastard T3. So I, Promptly threw that away and figured out that, um, you know, having never seen a T3 layout before, I guess I I sort of made a good game. But at the same time, it was like, all right, well. You made it. Uh, huh? You should have made it anyway. I should have. I mean, no I still problem. might. I mean, there's no problem with that. <laughs> it's fine. T3 is a great game. And if you build a homebrew, even if, if you took a T3, stripped all the artwork off of it and redid the art, redid the rules, redid the theme the way you wanted it. So what if it looks like a T3 still physically? It's your game. Like you did all of this stuff, right? And there's no possible way your game would have come out exactly like T3. So no, it, it wouldn't like have. Like T3 has very generic shots on it, like mm-hmm. in very specific locations, right? So both ramps are in the sweet spot of the flippers, right? Both orbits are exactly where they're supposed to be, you know? There's right. no shame in it in, in coming up with something that resembles T3 because T3 resembles a lot of other things as well. Yeah, mine had three ramps, but the shot to the right of the center ramp was actually a horseshoe and it locked balls back there for one of the Yeah, but that's balls. awesome. Just go build so. that. It's that's way different. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like it it really doesn't matter. I would okay. um what the thing that I have not totally said publicly about homebrew stuff is that I do encourage people to make homebrew games and make these games. Like if you want to build three games for people, you know, like three of your homebrew and sell those to people, go for it. But like, I really don't expect to make a homebrew game and then be like, Hey, I'm prepping it for production. You know, I'm going to try and pitch it to, you know, Stern or something like that. Like it's, there's a, it's a low chance it's going to happen. And honestly, it, it's so difficult to do that, that it, like the way that I did TNA, maybe it looked from an outside perspective as like, Oh, Scott did, it was easy, you know, but you have to realize like I'm in the industry. Like I work for a pinball parts company. I have all these manufacturing connections. I've done all this crazy junk with pinball parts for many, many years, you know? Um, I have a very good relationship with Spooky Pinball. It's like, you know, all this stuff just made it look easy, but it really isn't. 
And for someone who doesn't have all industry connections, it's going to be very difficult and very like, you know, disheartening, you know, if it doesn't work out. Oh yeah. So, build a homebrew. If someone wants to buy that design from you, then awesome. You know, but like, you know, don't go into building a homebrew saying like, I'm going to make a game that's going to be a production game. Like, I think it's just, it's setting yourself up to be uh, like for, I don't know. It's just, it's setting up for disappointment, I think. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of super talented people that have made homebrews that haven't seen the light of day outside of the couple that they've made. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, there's, there's a few homebrews that I'm following really closely and I don't know if they're ever going to be made, which is truly a travesty. But, um, even if they don't, um, you know, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me because like you kind of said, you, you have to have connections and pinball's very small. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's big, but it isn't right. And, um, I think a lot of pinball, it comes down to who, you know, not necessarily, uh, you know, at times like being able to step into the ring as somebody that hasn't ever been in the industry. I could definitely see them, that person struggling, uh, to try to get afloat initially, you know, yeah. and God forbid they do something and like sync up with deep root. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's so. just, you just gotta be careful and just yep. set your expectations properly. But really, like, and I mean, I've seen people like, um, Scott Gullix is a good example of this where he's able to build, he designed a homebrew game and he built 10 of them and sold off like all of them. Yep. Well, and now he got picked up by American Pinball. You can make a decent pinball. amount of money doing that. Yeah. So it's it's very interesting. Like that's the route I would I would say if you wanted to actually make money doing pinball stuff, do that. Because you could sell those one-off games for a lot of money. You know, people want those. Like and if there's a if there's a game that that a bunch of people want, you know, there's you sell it off to the highest bidder, man. all right all right that's crazy parnell why don't we go ahead and we can wrap it up with our last question we have two questions oh two questions Mm. oh geez what the fuck is your favorite all-time movie uh nice try no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) no it's not a movie i'm saying nice try Trying to figure out what my favorite pinball movies are. I mean, I mean, pinball themes are. Oh no, I'm like I'm my joking. favorite movie is Princess Bride. That would be a cool pinball machine. Oh, this doesn't have to be a pinball. I'm just asking, what's your favorite movie? <laughs> Let's see. Let me think about it for a second. Let me see. What's a movie I could watch a million times and never get sick of? That's the question. Um, the sad part is I don't watch a lot of new movies. Mm. In fact, I haven't watched a new movie in so many years but you're not missing probably (laughs) damn that's a tough question like goonies is amazing Mm, back to the mm -hmm. future is amazing Um, which one uh number one or number two number three um god damn uh that's a really tough question i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with goonies it's a classic i don't think i'll ever be able to get sick of it but then also at the same time, wait, I just thought of something. Mm-mm. Christmas Vacation, Ooh. because we watch it every year. 
Yep. Yeah. That Classic. I mean that qualifies as a favorite. Yeah, nah, Christmas vacation. I'm doing that one. Christmas vacation. Done. <laughs> Done. So my wife loves Christmas. And uh, she has been training my daughter to love Christmas as well. And so we've been <laughs> randomly, like this week, listening to Christmas music. <laughs> and uh, we've watched Christmas Vacation, you know, well after December. Uh, that is a That's great fine. movie. Yeah, it's super great. And, oh, man, is it inappropriate. <laughs> oh, I, and the dog barfing under the table, yakking on a bone. Oh, my oh. God. That, so think, think about this for a second. When they were making that movie, right? They're like, okay, uh, sound guy, we need um, – all right, we got the dog is gonna, you know, gonna choke on a bone under the table. Uh, go ahead and make the sound for us. And the guys, like the sound guy's, like, what the? Fuck? How the hell do I do? That? Okay, hold on, let me think for a second. Okay, okay, I got it, I got it. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> the sound was like it was like the most fucked up sound. And it just makes you laugh because it's such a weird sound. The guy's like, the guy's like, ah, oh, no, he's just yakking on a bone. He's fine. Oh, oh my god! god. Shaking. Next the time table. I watch it, I'm gonna have to listen for it. And yeah, think it's, when the, it's when they're it's when they're eating the, the gross dried up turkey. Yeah. So Christmas vacation, I think, definitely makes like the top two. Because you are right, Scott. I, I think I could watch that any day, anytime, yeah. and enjoy it. I, I, uh, yeah, you you could watch it. Yeah, exactly. I, I, you could watch it tomorrow and enjoy it. Right. I think another one for me is Ocean's Eleven. I just genuinely enjoy that movie. Uh, it's been so long since I've seen that movie. Yeah, you should yeah. watch it again. Maybe you know, consider it adding it to your uh, you know, soon to watch movies. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, and then of course Evil Dead. I mean. The, the trilogy, a- any of them, really. I don't care which one, but uh, all right. Well, um, so Parnell got to ask the second to last question, so I guess it's only fair that I ask you the last question then. And right. I'm not gonna lie, this has probably been the most the question I've been most excited to ask you. Um, so what have you been working on lately? Uh, anything regarding upcoming projects or, or maybe yeah, a so pinball game? It's uh, it's not a new pinball game that I'm working on. Um, so that that right there is a little bit disappointing probably. I'm not designing a new game at the moment. Uh, but I am working on, and I got clearance to talk about it. Like I can't really talk about details or anything, but I am working on a sound package for the next major P3 game that's coming out. Holy yes. shit. Which is super cool. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, and I really I really enjoy doing sound packages for things. Like I really had so much fun doing the sound for like the sound effects and stuff for Alice Cooper. Um, I don't know if you guys ever played Alice Cooper or have one even, um, but the sound effects in there, I, I wrote all of those from scratch. Um, and then I was able to get everything very cohesive. Um, the same with Rick and Morty, Rick and Morty. I took, um, what we were able to use from the show, uh, you know, making other sound effects that matched it. Uh, Rick and Morty actually wrote all the, all the music that wasn't licensed. 
Uh, and then, um, yeah, I just, I have so much fun doing that, that I wanted to take a little bit of a break from designing games and start working on some audio stuff. So, um, that's awesome. Yeah. It just, you know, it just, I wanted to, I wanted to get involved with, uh, with the P3 a little bit and figured that, uh, I would see about doing an audio package for him. So that's what I'm working on. That's super cool. Cause I actually watched the stream where you were making, uh, chill hop for oh yeah and that was actually for a different client actually that's for a that's for a a a different thing completely okay yeah that uh, (laughs) i I can't actually show what i'm working on for the p3 right now (sighs) because right now everything is very confidential (sighs) um but i have another like i'm always working on multiple projects so that that other client is just another client that needs chill hop music written but okay all right so then the music i heard the other night isn't even part of it. It's not even part of it. No. <laughs> okay. It's going to be, it's yeah. gonna be some banging music, though. Well, the P3 has a banging sound system. Yeah. It does. Comparatively. It does. I'm excited to see what that thing can do. I'm going to have to go get some. What is? What do they use? Hockey tape, I think, for glass on T, TNA to stop oh, no. it from see, rattling we sell, so much. We sell something at Pim. We did a bunch of research on anti rattle glass or anti rattle tape. Um, and we, um, we found some stuff and we sell it on Pinball Life, actually. Okay, so so Scott, tomorrow when you go into work, grab me uh, the <laughs> the neon green protector plastics and some of that stuff because I'm gonna need to put an order in for both of those. And it's DNA playfield. I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, that's coming next week probably. You're you're gonna be drawn on it. Did you actually is, order one? I haven't yet. No, oh, okay. I'm ordering it next week though. Like that that All is right, happening. Let, let me know if you do that. Let me know the order number and I will uh, intercept it and. I'll scribble some garbage on it for you. I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) You're just going to draw like dicks all over it. I can't wait. I mean, you know, I mean, (laughs) some of them will be normal size. Some of them will be small. He's got a dyno for you. You Draw the dyno lines. Yeah. I mean, right. You know, however many horsepower were on that dyno. What was that? Yep. Yep. I forgot where that picture go. I can't zoom in enough. I don't know what it says. 200 and something. Perfect. Yeah, I, I can't wait to get my uh, my playfield that's just covered in dicks. It's gonna be great. There you go. You sell it on eBay. Yeah, Scott Denisi, you heard it here. Getting a dick playfield. <laughs> oh, well, shit. Scott, thank you so much for coming on. Seriously, it's been like an absolute blast, and uh, hopefully, we'll you know you enjoyed hanging out with us enough to where. Uh, Maybe when you got some new juicy stuff you're you're able to talk about, we can maybe have you back on and talk more sure. about uh, VR and oh yeah, about we pinball. Talk about VR sometime for sure. Oh yes, no, that'll that'll definitely come up in discussions. I've I've uh, for, shoved it down Parnell's throat. He hasn't bought one yet, but uh, you know he needs to. Oh, totally does. We've been having so much fun with that thing. I was actually just in big screen today, right before this. We're uh, we're watching some kind of really crazy thing that Goran had us laughing at. So I was laughing so hard. I was crying in my headset, which is a really <laughs> bad thing to do. But we can talk about that some other time. All right. Well, thank you again, Scott. And, and like I said, uh, feel free to uh, stay in touch and um, thank you again for, for coming on tonight and talking with us. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Yep. Well, you heard it listeners here. We hope you have a good night. Good day. Good night. Good evening. Goodbye. Goodbye. Adios. See ya.
Did you check out that dino chart? Is that what this is? Yeah. <laughs> Best evil ever. <laughs> just it's not my I just found it on the internet and was laughing my ass off. Oh god. Alright, you gotta give me you gotta give me access to this thing. Oh shit. <laughs> Please leave this in the in the There show. we go. Oh no, it's gonna be in for sure. Oh no, right. well. Heck yeah. He'll either have it at the end or maybe it'll just be the beginning and, and our listeners are just gonna be like hugely like, what the fuck? Like where was the intro? Where's the yeah, this is chaos. <laughs> but it's okay, because our listeners love us, all five of them. All right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well maybe he's run away. So I Did guess I'll ask. No, he's I don't think we lost him. Oh my god, I was muted and I just started talking a bunch. Oh, oh right. that's stupid mute button. I gotta remember the intro. Hang on. Hello. And- <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, Parnell, I guess we can go ahead and start the episode. All right. Thought that was the start. <laughs> I mean, it was. <laughs> I got to do this standard intro. Oh, yeah, that's right. Wait, All I got to right. open a drink. Hold on a second. Okay, cool. Couldn't even save it from the podcast. I think I'm good. I think I'm good now. <laughs> Off we go. Ooh. Yeah, I gotta mute the phone. We are recording. Oh yeah, I gotta mute all my stuff. That, that would be smart, wouldn't it? <laughs> Ryan reminded me one time. I kept getting texts. He's like, "Dude, uh, like he texts me like your shit's blinging off." There we go. Quit Discord. That's a popular one to kill. Probably turn off Steam. Man, you were like fully connected. I'm surprised Dude, you I was, like I was rocking out right before this. You still like jack into the matrix. Oh man. No, dude, you know what I was doing just before we started chatting here? Uh oh. This is what? super, super cool and interesting. I was watching a video of this girl who knows music theory, like the back of her hand, right? She's obviously like classically trained, knows tons and tons about music theory, can play piano really well, dissect things. She took apart the song March of the Pigs by Nine Inch Nails. I don't know if you know that song. Oh, yeah. Or know much about music theory, but it's the most fascinating song I've ever heard dissected. Uh, Trent Reznor is an absolute madman. So she takes, is she like taking apart the lyrics? Or is oh, it more no, no, like- not just that. She's taking apart the chords, the time signatures. Like oh. it's in, it's in, you know, because it, it's an electronic music song. Um, and it's in a time signature that doesn't really make sense because it's it's three measures of seven eight time, and then it's one measure of four four time or eight eight time. So that's really messed up. And if you go back and listen to that song again, like tap your foot to it, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about because you you'll get confused as you're tapping your foot. Oh damn! I'm gonna go to try that after this then. <laughs> yeah, it's a, and also it's a great song too. And it's in some weird key that doesn't make any sense. It clashes with itself all over the place. God, it sounded so. I remember when that came out, and I just was slamming it on my car radio, just cranking it. Oh, absolutely! That whole album was good. I don't think I've ever had a Nine Inch Nails album. I didn't oh. get into rock music until I met my wife. It's well, it's kind of not rock music. It's kind of electronic. Well, 
I guess Nine Inch Nails you would think of as like heavy metal or something, right? I mean, I don't personally, but like a lot of people I guess do um, because he does use guitars, but it's all, it's, you know, most of it is electronic. (laughs) Well, Scott, does that mean that you like uh, Dream Theater's Panic Attack? Because that changes, uh, oh God, that changes, I forget the technical term, like uh, tempo, was it like 19 times? Oh the yeah, song? there's some crazy stuff. I see. I like all that stuff because there's. Uh, I just like people becoming inventive with uh, with music like this. But yeah, Dream Theater is pretty good though. 